0: See Chicago's game day only on ESPN One Thousand at ESPNChicago.com.
1: He was going the right way, Cohen, all the way, touchdown, Chicago. Well, he, he goes right. Back. Oh, stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo? He wow. came come for the massage; he came for the facial. Oh my goodness!
0: What? Chicago's game day.
1: is home. Hanson. He escapes again, and he's got plenty of room to run. Look at him go. And there's the athleticism for the rookie. Back toward the wall. It's gone.
0: This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. We are 10 hours and 15
2: minutes away from the starts of what we've been waiting for all week long. Bears-Rams on the lakefront. I will be in attendance tonight. Chris Black will be in attendance tonight. Adam Abdallah will be in attendance tonight. The biggest game of the year for the Bears. And it is happening in just over 10 hours from now. I could not wait to open up this mic and break it down. And then the damn Bulls (laughs) had to go... 17-0 Seventeen oh, and give you. Yeah. And when I well, say seventeen oh, they gave up seventeen. Yeah, and have the worst loss in franchise history. Is it fifty six or fifty five?
3: I stopped counting. Fifty six. All right, that's what I thought. They ran fifty five suicides. Oh. They scored They
2: One suicide for every points. point you lose by Yeah,
4: yeah. you guys kid uh, This is really uh, it, it is not a pregame show for the Rams And the Bears later tonight This is a pregame show for Bulls practice today uh, As we prepare you To take in what is going to happen At the Advocate Center with Jim Boylan And his try-hard Bulls Will they run sprints? Will they run suicides? Will there be orange slices to recoup after the loss uh -uh.
3: yesterday? No slices after losses.
4: Yeah, seriously, we will talk about the uh, Bulls and the Celtics last night. Uh, Week 14 in the NFL, Jeff, the Rams and the Bears, you're right. The biggest game of the season, probably. Most Bears fans circled this on their calendar when the schedule came out. Can't wait for tonight's game.
3: The Bulls were a mess last night. A lot to talk about today. Let's be real, though. Let's let's take that and rewind it back a second. What? When you said this schedule came out and most Bears fans scheduled yeah. this game, it was like, oh, no, we have to play the Rams. Well, was. But, no, no, but
4: as a season or, ticket holder, you yes. enjoy seeing the yes. best teams in the Correct. league. And we all knew coming into this season Correct. that the Rams are going to be the hot team that everyone talked about. Correct. You're looking forward to.
3: They've lived up to the hype. So have the Bears. But I'm saying that at the start of the season, when the schedule came out early, before before training camp, before Khalil Mack, before everything, when you saw the Rams on the schedule, you're like, oh, oh no. I, I was excited to see a good football team. I'm excited Jeff, to see a what good football team too. But now the game... Is that much more important because of what the Bears have been able to do this season and surprise a lot of people and be at the top of the division with a game with the Rams being flexed into prime time? That's what I'm saying. Look and, how far
2: they've come. As it, no, it, well, and we'll talk a lot about Bears and Rams. It was a when you you saw the schedule as a season ticket holder. I don't go to every game. I share tickets with three other guys and we, we, we each get one ticket to each game and then we get together and we kind of trade out. Yeah, you you so uh, that
4: you I, do like a draft on what who gets what, it's, right? It's not a quite trading a trading situation. It's more of
2: a trading, it's not really a draft because we all have one ticket where if you want to go to every game, that's your right that's you know Sure that makes we sense. try and, yeah. we try and you know, I go in with the intention of trying to trade out four tickets so that I only have to attend four games because i'm not going to lie so i only have to i'm not going to lie i love the bears Solid. i love the bears an eight game it's an eight game grind it's a grind if you're attending every single game at soldier field march the not penguins. because of the bears Let's do it. not because of the bears because of the the whole travel situation to get in and out of soldier field it's just a debacle so yeah. i try and limit myself to four games anyway yes this was a game when the schedule came out I said, this is a game I want to go to. I have to make sure I get two tickets to the Bears and Rams because I, if nothing else, to go see the high-flying Rams will be fun, and we'll see where the Bears are. That was when the tickets rolled in in June or July or whatever. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like As Abdallah mentioned, far before the Khalil Mack trade changed the entire outlook for this season. Now... We have the Bears one and a half game up on the Vikings and we have the Rams what I guess you would essentially call a half game lead on the Saints because because the Saints have the head to head tiebreaker. So this is critical for both game both teams. And if you look at the Rams schedule, this is clearly their toughest game remaining. And so in my opinion, this is actually a more important game for the Rams than it is for the Vikings because it is critical for them with Super Bowl aspirations. Not that the Bears don't have that, but I think everybody is looking, you know, this team is good, trending, you know, it's young, it's trending in the right direction for next year. But the truth is the Rams have the Super Bowl or bust mentality right now. I'm not yeah. sure it's exactly the same for the Bears. And so because of that. I think it's actually more important for the Rams, although it's a huge game for the Bears as well.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, you mentioned Minnesota there. Minnesota is sitting at 6-5-1, and so the Bears sitting at 8-4 and heading into this game. You get a loss. It brings Minnesota closer to you, and you know that that Vikings game to end, of the, end of the season is looming, right? So, like, tonight's game is so good for so many reasons. You have the coaching comparisons, right, McVeigh and Nagy. You have the quarterback comparisons in Trubisky and Goff. You have the end rusher and the dominant force of Aaron Donald in the middle and Khalil Mack for the Chicago Bears. There's a lot of parallels of these two teams going into tonight, plus the records and the fact that they both should be playing for something more Mm -hmm. after this evening. You're on primetime television. It, It is going to be an epic game here in the regular season. We will see how that kind of shapes the end of the regular season into the playoffs. But, I mean, guys, if the Bears show up tonight, Khalil Mack is fantastic. The defense shows up. They limit this offense. It really could point to all of us. That this team is good enough to get to a Super Bowl if they could shut
3: down a high-power offense like the Rams out at Soldier Field tonight. And to me, that's what it's about. It's the This is also the Rams' biggest test because yeah. we saw the Rams and the Chiefs, the, the shootout that, that was that game. So now you've got the Rams going up against the number one. You have the number two offense, according to DVOA, up against the number one defense in, in the NFL. And to me, that's going to be, that's the biggest test for the Rams. And Jeff, like you said, this is their, the rest the rest of the season for them this is going to be the hardest game that they play the rest of the season. So for the Bears, they still have to play Minnesota at the end of the season. They have Green Bay uh, next week, which is always a tough game against Aaron Rodgers. But this is a this is the next measuring stick. Before it was the Vikings; they handled their business on the road against the Vi- or uh, at home against the Vikings, and then now everybody circled this game. This is a measuring stick that we didn't think we'd have at the beginning of the season, but now a real test for this defense that to be honest, has been struggling the last couple games, especially late in games. It'll be interesting to see how they play late into this game because I don't think this game is going to be a blowout either way. I think it's going to be close. So the defense is going to have to step up late in games, which is something they haven't been able to do.
2: Rams quarterback Jared Goff and Mitchell Trubisky-Buddy talked about the number one seed uh, being at stake for the Rams
5: it's always big I think that's what you always go for is you know you obviously want to win as many games as you can but if you do it'll it'll lead to um, those type of rewards and, and and the first one we've done is, is winning the division and and hopefully we can win a few more now and, or however many it takes um, to, to get you know the first round by and, and hopefully
6: work towards that first seed
2: so because of this because of the importance of this game to the Rams and look, legit they have they're in chicago they have four games left in chicago tonight they then host the eagles next sunday night so they have consecutive NBC sunday night games and then they close it out at arizona and against the 49ers the bears are by far and away the toughest opponent left on their schedule and again at 11 and one They're thinking home field advantage, and because of all this and the way their schedule looks to close out the season, two games that you're just going to, you know, you you check them off. I'm sorry, the Cardinals and 49ers, the Rams, if they don't win those games, they have problems. Only the Eagles is is another game that they need need to be concerned about. And so, because of the way the Rams, I expect to be approaching this game, if somehow, some way, the Bears can pull off the upset, it is a complete game changer in how I think the fans... Of this team will look at the Bears for this year because if the Bears can beat the Rams, all of a sudden it's not just about making the playoffs. Because even though a first round bye will be unlikely, the truth is, if the Bears beat the Rams, all of a sudden the Super Bowl, the idea of the Super Bowl is now very tangible.
4: Yeah, Jeff, I agree with you. And I think what happened last week uh, with New Orleans and Dallas, I think that kind of pointed to me as well, that if you have a good defense and you can kind of slow down these offenses that are so high-powered and and scoring so many points, uh, you do actually have a legitimate shot to get to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. I agree with you. The Rams and the Saints have been so good in this conference this season. But if the Bears show up tonight and they win, right, Isn't that giving an alert to the rest of the conference, just like what Dallas did against New Orleans, where if you say, hey, by the way, even though you can do all this, if you're on the road and you can't score, we can stop you. We can win any game. And I think that's the key to tonight is this Bears defense, by most stats, has been one of the best in all football this year. But we have seen some stats go against the theory of them being the best defense in all of football. One being points given up in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. They're 29th in points given up in the fourth quarter this season in the NFL. That isn't a fluky stat. That's They give up points in the fourth quarter. So you know the Rams are going to be scoring points throughout the game and whether or not they will be able to score and outscore the Bears in the fourth quarter. And if the Bears will have a lead to that point that they can hold on, or maybe, how about this, for a novel concept, maybe Trubisky and the Bears score for themselves in the fourth quarter to keep that lead out. That's going to be a big key to me, because if the defense can show up and shut down the Rams in the fourth, I think that goes a long way in what you're saying, Jeff, to kind of letting the Bears fan base know that this team is actually legit, it is real, you can kind of put all the conversation about the soft schedule because they were a last-place team, Last year, you could put that to the side because you beat one of the best teams in football.
3: I, I don't The soft schedule, this isn't college
4: football. No, no, hold, like, hold
2: on,
3: Abdal. But you have to admit,
4: it is a different way going through the year than, say, what Jacksonville is dealing with.
3: Yeah, Jacksonville has yes.
4: a first-place schedule. They obviously have come back down to earth from what they were last year. The Bears having that last-place schedule does allow you many games, including one in two weeks against the 49ers, Right, like that, we all assume that that team would be better, but they were a last place team last year, weren't they?
3: No, they in, were. in their division. And, but, but I think, look, you saw them go into uh, New York and lose to the Giants. They lost to Miami this year. Like it, it's still the NFL. Like every team is still very good. Like well, it's tough to it's, win every week in the NFL. All you have to say is that every team in the
4: NFL, for the most part, is is the same, right? And and there are very few teams that are elite. There are very few teams that are just complete trash. Mm-hmm. And even the teams that are trash can show up and win a game every other every other week. You're right. We've seen Buffalo do it this year. We've seen the Cardinals do it where they win a game when they're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. So if all the teams, for the most part, are even, and you get a little break here and there based on the schedule, I think that
3: does make a difference in a team going from worse to first. That's why we see it so often. Well, there's two things that could happen tonight that we may have not Seen the Bears be able to do so far this season? Are they going to be able to limit a high-flying offense, the no, the number two offense in the NFL, uh, in the fourth quarter? And they've led. The Bears have led every game so far this season. So if they get another lead, should they be, should they get another lead? Will they be able to hold it late in games? Also, we're going to see the return of Mitch Trubisky after missing two games. If needed, if called upon, is he going to be able? to drive the bears down the field and set up whether it is a game-winning touchdown or field goal and then is cory parky going to be able to hit that field goal huh. late in the game if he's called upon so there are things that like this is by far the biggest test for the bears and i think they i think they know like uh, they're going to say every game is the same blah 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 all that stuff they know what this what this game means they know what the measuring stick this game is i've pretty sure trubisky could have played against the giants well okay so if, if you're gonna bring that up say they lose tonight
4: mm-hmm. what's next guys the the packers the green bay packers yeah okay say they lose that game don't do this are we all gonna look back at that giants game and suggest that maybe trubisky should have played I because mean, i think if trubisky playing what 90 percent, 80 percent, you win that ball game right
2: Look, in all likelihood, yes, Trubisky starting that game. If you look back on it now, the way that unfolded, yes, you probably expect Trubisky to win that game in New York. But I will still say that even though he's better than Chase Daniel, Mitch, the problem with Mitch Trubisky is still inconsistency from game in and game out. You don't know what you're going to get. Right. I like. I'm not going to go ahead. I don't think. I'm not going to suppose he could have played. They didn't play him. I don't I think most teams if a player is capable of playing especially a starting quarterback to an acceptable level where his throws aren't hindered most guys are going to be out there and I truly think that you, there's only 16 games in an NFL season I don't think the Bears are you know we we only have 12 games to go off of with Matt Nagy but we've seen just the just with the way they used Khalil Mack initially they wanted him out there on the field until they were proven. Like no, he can't. Yeah, he he's can't not. Move. He's ineffective. So right. I think that they truly would have used Trubisky against now. You know, against the Giants if he was available. I just don't think he was. So going forward to tonight with Trubisky playing,
4: is his running game going to be as effective? Based on the fact that last time he ran, he got hurt. See what I'm saying? So like, are are the Bears going to tell him well, to to maybe? live for another play, and not run
2: as much as he has throughout this season. It's a fair question. Before we dissect it, let's let Mitch talk to us about how the injury will affect his running.
7: Being smart. Um, anytime I pull it down, just being smart, uh, trying to slide properly, uh, trying not to be so unorthodox. Um, picking up yardage and then just getting down when they need to get down, getting out of bounds, and uh, continue to stay aggressive. But like I said, I'm not going to go out there if I'm not 100%. And I'm and going to go out there, play my game, no reservations, and just go out there and uh, do what I know how to do. At
8: this point on Wednesday, how close do you feel
6: to 100%? I feel really close. I feel really close. I feel good. And uh, hopefully they'll, they'll let me go because uh, I feel like I can.
2: And we do know that they will let him go because he has been removed from the injury report. You hear from him there. I will say, I don't think you can really change. Like you hear him talking about, yeah, not being so unorthodox in the way he. It's football. If you're going to take a hit, there's no orthodox way of taking a hit. You you either get out of bounds like Russell Wilson does a couple yards prematurely and live to fight another down, which is the smart and prudent way to approach it, or you play with reckless haphazard abandon and take big hits and eventually find yourself banged up as the season progresses
4: i laugh at that because uh the question that is in my head about that is well why were you unorthodox sliding in <laughs> yeah. the first place exactly
2: right like if like who
4: would say oh yeah that's what that's my goal my intended goal is to awkwardly roll to a stop
3: that's why i, I don't know if he I, you can't i mean he didn't practice at all for a week and a half really I don't yeah, think but he's can, close to 100%. You can't change Doesn't that go back to what but, I'm asking? Is that he should play against the Giants? No, but you am saying you can't just change the way you play. Like, you can't be no, like, oh, no. well now I'm going to change the way well, I slide.
4: Okay. And then also add in the fact that, fine, maybe he's going to change the way that he's going to play. So that means you're staying in the pocket. Does that mean that you have to now beat the Rams with your arm? Do we trust the hmm. fact that Mitch Trubisky can beat a really good team with just his arm? I get it. As a player, the running game. Is all encompassing to him as a player. If he is good or or successful, a lot of it has to do with his legs. Now, stay in the pocket and beat the Rams.
2: Can he do that? No, and no, he. I don't believe he can. I and look, I don't want him to eliminate the run from because again, I, Russell Wilson's the camp. Like when Russell Wilson is really good, yeah. The it's so the hardest thing for a defense to stop. Is a mobile quarterback who, when your receivers are flying down the field and the defensive back has his back turned to the quarterback, all of a sudden you hear commotion going on in the field, and you turn your head back and you see Trubisky breaking the pro- the pocket yeah. and becoming a runner. That you know it's a, it's a breakdown, and before he then crosses the line of scrimmage, you still have to be aware of where your receiver is if you're mm-hmm. defending them, but you also need to be aware that he could be coming with a full head of steam. No. That is actually in part why I think the Bears offense has been as effective as it has been this year in Trubisky's second year, Nagy's first year as a head coach, and a running game that has been, you know, less than ideal. But with Trubisky's ability to run, it's a threat and it keeps the the the, 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 the chains moving. They need him to run today and be the Mitch Trubisky that he's been all year prior to the injury if they're going to compete and beat the Rams.
3: Yeah, and the Rams are getting some uh, defensive help back as Akeem Talib is going to uh, most likely start. Yeah, tonight. He,
2: he returned last week. He played the first half. Did not close out the game. But yes, he's yeah, expected so he's to be expect, a full go. He's
3: expected to be a full go tonight. So it's gonna be look, it's gonna be a great matchup. It's a great test for the team. Uh, the, the Donald against Mac. We haven't really tired I mean obviously they don't go against each other, but we they haven't don't. really talked a lot about that. But you know, Aaron Donald and Domakinsu coming up off against each uh, against Mitch Trubisky in that offensive line. I know Chase Daniel took a lot of sacks. Uh, The last two games that he played, uh, most of those were on him because he just wasn't getting the ball out fast enough and he was making bad decisions. But, I I mean, I'm concerned a little bit. I know you can't play with reservations. You can't play reserved. If you're Mitch Trubisky, you can't go out there and be worried about the shoulder. You're going to play the way you're supposed to play. But you have to worry with one of the best defensive lines in football coming in and your quarterback coming off a shoulder injury. You know what I mean? That's going to be a cause for concern for me as well is how – how he can stay, and he's going to need to throw the ball away quicker to avoid getting hit and avoid the sack.
2: Andrew in Elgin is optimistic about tonight's game. Hey, Andy.
1: Hey, good morning, fellas. Uh, hope you're doing well. What I just wanted to uh, make a few points, if you don't mind. Uh, number one, I'm super excited tonight as a Bears fan. This matchup's going to be awesome. I uh, just wanted to say that, you know, overall, I want to know what you think, that the uh, Rams defense, going into the season was supposed to be absolutely incredible. I think the NFL has actually pulled him up this year. I mean, that Rams game, I know they have an explosive offense. So I want to know what you think about that, but then I got one more point. Uh, yes. Tonight's game, the yes. offense against that defense, I want to know how many points you think they're going to score tonight, and I think that this is a huge game for Mitch to show his poise and see who this kid really is about. Go
2: Bears. and a great day. Bears. Bears. Um, yes, the Rams defense has been susceptible to big plays all year long. Marcus Peters has been the primary culprit. And as Abdallah just mentioned, you know, I think a big factor was Akib Talib. Marcus Peters, Talib as a combo are pretty solid. It's when you take Peters off of what he likes to do and move him into Talib's role playing press coverage, which is not what Peters excels at. Peters. Is a bit of a uh, gambler and he likes to give a cushion and he likes to use his speed to break on the ball. Without Tlaib, he was forced to be more of a press cover corner and that did not work out well for the Rams, but they were fortunate enough where they generally had big enough leads where it didn't come back to haunt them too frequently. The linebacking crew, you know, outside of Corey Littleton, not, you know, you saw Samson Ebucom. have a monster game against the Chiefs. But all in all, he's not a, he's not a great player by any means. And Mark Barron, um, he's, he's a former converted safety who has his, own, his, his lapses as well. For the Rams, it all comes down to the pass rush, the front four. If they're re- wreaking havoc, they can be difficult to stop because Aaron Donald can always come up with a big splash play, a strip sack that can change every possession.
4: And Trubisky, we've talked about his legs. And uh, to beat this Rams defense is you need to go downfield against them. Uh, So the question I think uh, needs to be answered tonight by Mitch Trubisky is can he be accurate 20 yards downfield? He has been throughout this season one of the worst at hitting his receivers down the field in all of the NFL. So I think if he can prove to us tonight that he can actually stretch the field and be accurate while doing that, I think that will go a long way to us finding out what he really is as a quarterback. If he can't, then I think that's where you have the questions and the fact that like, if he can't run and he can't go down the field, it really limits the Bears' offense.
3: We saw it against, I believe it was the Jets when they they came to Soldier Field. They went on a really long drive running the ball. They used a lot of clock. This is an offense with one of the best offensive players in football and Todd Gurley, like they're going to control the clock. They're going to try to keep the ball out of Trubisky's hands and limit that long play. Like you suggested to Marcus Peters or taking advantage of that. So they're going to try to control the clock and they have one of the best weapons in all of football to do that. It's going to be on the bears defense to try to stop. Todd Gurley and try to stop this offense just to give Trubisky some chances. Can I give you guys a uh, stat
4: before we break here? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want you guys to let me know what this means. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's a stat. The Bears haven't beaten a team with a 900 win percentage in the 10th game or later since 1968. When they beat that team, they beat the Rams. They were 10-1-1. Your thoughts.
3: Uh, so at first I was like, oh, no oh, no, oh, no, that's a long time. And then I heard the Rams, and I'm like, whatever, Bears got this. Bears by 100. How about that? Since 1968.
2: Take that, Rams. My my logical standpoint is generally teams with 900 winning percentages or above after 10 weeks (laughs) are generally the best teams in football. So, uh, you know, if you don't know it already, it's going to be tough for the Bears tonight. They can do it. But uh, it's going to be a tough match. You,
4: you guys are so nice. You both answered that like I like
2: like it's legitimate. Come on, let's call it what I, it is. 100. That's
4: a, that's a cute stat. Bears by one hundred. That's it, a cute stat. It 100. means nothing. One hundred.
2: It's yes. It's bears a, by one hundred. It's irrelevant. One hundred. It is irrelevant. You know what does mean something? A fifty-six point loss oh, at home. Your franchise's worst ever. How about that? Uh, how about that fifty-six point loss? Head coach Jim Boylan. Mm-hmm. Boylan two
5: Embarrassment is not not giving the effort in that bulls uniform. So I put five guys in that I thought could put the effort in.
2: We will discuss a debacle at the United Center with um, Malika Andrews, who covers the Bulls for ESPN. Next on ESPN One Thousand, this is Chicago's
0: game day.
1: Ready to run and gun. One thirty-three to seventy-seven as the Boston Celtics. Came in here, loaded for Bear, jumped out to a 17-0 lead in the first quarter. And the Bulls ultimately fall by 56. As you see the note on your...
2: And the note on your TV on WGN said that it was the worst loss in franchise history for the Chicago Bulls. You should have taken that game off. Yeah. Poor guy, Neil might want to take. This is a win. Neil Neil, Neil might want to start taking a lot more days off if he's going to be calling this team this season. Because boy, the uh, the placebo effect they may have wanted from firing Fred that lasted all of what? How long? This is rock bottom,
3: right? This is rock bottom. Oh, guys,
2: we are heading
3: there. Is this rock bottom?
1: Uh, Not so sure about that. As far as like the worst
3: losses, like they're they're going to lose more games, obviously. But like as far as the word like this is think this is it. The inter- the
2: thing about rock bottom is you never know that you're at rock bottom until after you've you've moved above rock bottom.
4: Or the way uh it works in this uh franchise, the Chicago Bulls, uh years after when you realize that you messed up. Uh, but yet everyone's still hanging around. What does it matter? Bulls what does it matter, Abdullah? What does it matter?
2: Ow. Bulls not interim head coach. Wow. Jim Boylan, Boylan 2.0 of the Bulls era, as I like to call him, on why he benched all of his starters all at once, making the old hockey line change twice in a Bulls game.
5: You went back to the starters in the in the first half. Did you have plans to go back to them in the second half and the score got out of hand, or did you just want to bench them for the last 21 minutes like you did? Yeah, we're going to practice tomorrow. So <laughs> why, 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 why why have him play in a game that is going to be very difficult to win? When the benefit to me is going to be practice tomorrow and get better, oh, so that was all premeditated yeah. to me in my mind. That yeah. um, so I play them more. We lose tonight, and then we can't practice tomorrow. We double lose, and we don't have time to do that. Double lose. So I think it'll be our fourth practice together, and so um, that was the thinking. And he also elaborated on why he pulled all five starters. I think your plays embarrassing. Me subbing them is saving them, maybe, Joe. Maybe we saved them. So the pro player thing, this is basketball. This is about honoring the game and doing the right things. So I've worked with Greg Popovich. He's sub-five guys a ton of times. You know, nobody okay. says a word to him about it. So he felt that was best for the team. I felt that was best for the team and where we were at. Dude, <laughs> you walked
3: into that game with a loss because of the, the, the win sprints and suicides you made your team run the day after a, the day after a game. That's like playing another game. Oh yeah, the second night of a back-to-back, they had no legs. Uh, big surprise. Uh, how about this? They're gonna practice again today.
4: The start of the game when it was seventeen nothing, the Bulls' offense may have been the worst I've ever seen it as a Bulls fan. I remember back to the days of Jake Voskel and Khalid Alamine. Those are names. Terrible. That's how bad the offense was to start the game.
3: Well, they're trying. And he's worried Listen. about practice and the double lose. What is this? You got to work on your fundamentals, Chris, before you can give into something that's trendy, Hold like on. hitting threes and moving the ball around. Can
4: I ask both of you? And I know Malika Andrews is on the line, so she can hear this. Fourth practice with them. He's been here. What is this? No,
3: mm-mm. he's not. He's just kind of he been ha- standing. He there. has
4: been in the practices. No. No. He's been here, right?
3: No. Mm-mm. all right he's not the head coach right. fourth practice with this group he, he hasn't been here all summer did you know training camp did you know he worked with popovich yeah i know did you know that okay
2: when did when did uh, the firing came off on monday yeah right?
3: yeah it was monday they so didn't even wait till christmas this time
2: he has been just think about this he has been head coach of this team for less than a week and he's already had f- this is going to be the fourth practice yeah, uh, this is a professional basketball team that sure. does have games in between their practices.
4: Right, and the uh, propaganda that's Shoot pushed is, is, is the stuff. fact that the uh, locker room was lost with Fred Hoiberg. And, uh, and well, most, most of the players, cheer their spirits most, right most up. of the players have disputed that no, uh, in this, the media. Not with this and, says. And uh, all I'm going to say is a coach, a professional coach, treating professional NBA players like they're high schoolers. Let's see how long this lasts. He doesn't lose said locker room that Fred Hoiberg lost.
3: Well, Malika wrote about it, and it says right here, Zach Levine said, I felt embarrassed. Levine said of the group benching. How do You you want to lose a a locker room fast? Embarrass your players.
2: Well, let's bring in Malika Andrews, who, boy, she picked a great year to start covering the Bulls. Malika, is this rock bottom? What's going on here? Uh, Give us your reaction to last night's loss and just what the locker room was like after the game.
8: You know I mean, the bulls have suffered some tough losses, some embarrassing losses this year. Um, another one that comes to mind is Golden State, but there was something different about last night i mean aside from the fact that they lost by historic numbers fifty six points i mean the 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 five man hockey style swap twice um, was it was really imp- i mean it was impressive it was kind of amazing that he decided to do that um, It was very clear in the locker room after the game that all five starters. Um, you know, Wendell Carter kind of he went to to lift before we even got in there. Zach Levine, really, he he didn't want to to talk with journalists. But he kind of graciously did, um, very very briefly. It was pretty clear how disappointed these guys were and how much they felt this loss um, because they really were run. They were run off the floor. They were literally booed off their home court um, by fans.
4: Malika, when we look at this Bulls team, uh, I think many people assume that nothing will really change until ownership chooses to change something or to acknowledge what has gone wrong in the past. Is a game like last night where the fans are booing the team off the court? Is that something that actually ownership will like perk up and notice?
8: I mean, I think everyone in that organization is going to notice that and feel that. Will that uh, create the change that some fans are calling for a change in management? probably not. I mean, right now, what what Boylan will say, what, what Michael will say, what Pax and Gar will say is, look, we have a young team. You should expect to lose. You should expect to have some growing pains. Um, Boylan even said last night, do I like this? No, but maybe we need it to teach us something. Now, whether or not that's true is a completely different story. Um, but I think... Absolutely, yes, they will notice, but I also think there are ways right now in which this management and these coaches can kind of justify why a loss like that could be potentially helpful for this team.
3: Laurie Markinin said after the game that they deserve to be pulled, giving their slow start and poor shooting. Are there a few players in there in the locker room that are kind of buying into what Jim Boylan's doing?
8: I mean, I think all of them were frustrated. All of them were visibly frustrated that they didn't play. The Stars didn't play the final 21 minutes in two seconds. I mean, I don't think anybody in that locker room was just unequivocally like, yep, that's you know, perfectly fine and we'd have no qualms with this. But that being said, he's the coach. And I think this is a group, if nothing else, this is a group of really respectful guys. Um, they don't tend to be very boisterous. They kind of are still kind of finding their way in terms of who is a vocal on the court leader. Um, they're without some of their more vocal players like Bobby Portis, uh, like Chris Dunn. So yeah, I mean, right now I think they're still kind of giving Boylan the benefit of the doubt, um, but there is definitely some frustration whether or not it was said. You could tell by sitting in that locker room when I was standing next to Zach Levine um, just how frustrated he was by that move, by stepping out all five guys, even if they know in their heart of hearts that maybe it was something that was quote-unquote deserved.
2: Malika Andrews covers the Bulls for ESPN. She's with us here on ESPN 1000. Malika, you, you're familiar with... More teams than just the Bulls. You've seen other locker rooms. I'm just curious how long. I because in a 56 point blowout loss, there's not much the players really can say. They have to be a little bit deferential right. to whatever the coach's message is on that night because they're the ones culpable for a brutal loss. But the reality is, how long do you think? Just maybe using some of your other experiences as well. How long can Jim Boylan really play this role of the you know the hard coach who's going to get them to work? Before it finally rubs thin and he's getting no buy in?
8: Well, especially with this group, um, I think there has to be a balance. I mean, I think you need to be tough on your players, but then also, uh, you know, bring them in and reward them. I think that's just a human being trait. And, you know, Jim said that yesterday when he was in referencing Jabari Parker, he said, you know i can't just be i can't just be 100% tough on him i can't just uh harp on him for his you know what what might be some some lacking effort on defense i have to also bring him in and and do a push pull um but he really does have to do that he can't just say that i'm going to both be tough and be um, supportive. He has to do both. And I think, you know, it will wear thin if you're just constantly uh, being being yelled at. Now, you know, like you said, they're practicing again today after a back-to-back. That's got to be tough. But they also are young. Like, this is a young team that should be able to kind of I mean, after fifty-six point loss, you have to—you basically have to get back out on the floor, um, whether that's in a you know a film session or something else. Like Boylan's going to be riding them because uh, management's riding him. Like there is a there is a lot that this team needs to do to turn this boat around. Um, but I do think, you know, in in some other locker rooms, there is definitely, you know, Milwaukee. There's a bit of a push pull after tough losses, but it's hard because the Bulls are losing more than some of those other teams.
4: You know, Jim Boylan has talked a lot about the effort in uh, the defensive end of uh, the court for the Chicago Bulls and taking over mm-hmm. as head coach. The one thing that I would point out is. They've been consistently this season the worst team in offensive efficiency. They're still the worst team in offensive efficiency right now. And what I've noticed since Boylan's gotten here is it seems like the offense is slowing down even more. What have you noticed between the difference on the offensive end, since he's talked so much about the defense, between Hoiberg's offense and what Jim Boylan's trying to accomplish?
8: Well, I think we've seen... Different identities in every different offensive identities in every game he's every game he's coached. Right? I mean, the first game in Indianapolis, it was really slow and deliberate. Um, the second game kind of really ramped up the pace, and then last night, obviously, I'm not even sure we can evaluate what sort of offense was being run there. Right? So I, Jim was saying yesterday, you know, it's very possible to kind of play in different styles away and at home. Um, it's clear that it's 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 slower. It's clear that he's playing with different lineups. You know, he moved Jabari back to uh, the reserve spot with Lowry coming back. Um, but, after three games, it's sort of hard to evaluate exactly what his offensive identity is going to be, but it's very clear to see that you know the scores on their offensive end have been going down. Um, he's kind of kind of trying to slow down the pace a little bit. Um, and, you know, I know you guys were joking before, but kind of go back to those fundamentals a little bit. Now, whether or not that is working right now is a little bit tough to tell. Obviously, they beat Oklahoma City, uh, thanks to Lowry Markin and the other night. But that's that's kind of what's going on here. I think they're still trying to find their place, uh, assimilate Lowry back, have Jabari kind of find his role on the bench. Um, but, yeah, I think you are going to see uh, lower numbers from the Bulls on the offensive end just, to, just based on how Jim Boylan is coaching right now.
3: So Boylan's had control of the team for a week. They've had the practice where they ran suicides. They're practicing today after a back-to-back. They've had the 56-point loss. There's a report out of the Sun-Times that the players don't trust Gar Foreman. They didn't want him around the team. This is a team that's going to have a lot of money in the offseason. What's been the perception of the Bulls and from this last week around the league?
8: You know, I mean, I think there's some recognition that they're in a tough spot. I have talked to um, some front office folks sort of around the league that were a little bit um, confused by Hoiberg's firing. Um, that being said, you know, I think that when you are losing, it's, it's tough. They're in a tough spot. You know, uh, Milwaukee fired Jason Kidd early on in the season last year, too. Um, so I I think that that's that's sort of the perception right now. It's, a oh, wow, there's a lot of young talent on this team, but they're in a tough spot right now. Uh, They're hurt. It's kind of an uphill battle. Um, It it, it will be interesting to see who Chicago looks to attract here because it's been a very long time since they've been able to attract sort of a big-name free agent. Most of their uh, stars have come up through the draft, so It'll be interesting to see whether or not they're able to do that and whether or not they're able to recruit those to recruit a superstar to play alongside a young core of Wendell Carter, Lowry Marketing, because it was it's glaring that that is what they are lacking right now.
4: And someone that they signed over the summer, um Malika, I know in your covering of the league, it, it's kind of been well known that Jabari Parker, uh, has a lack of maybe focus on on giving effort all the time and especially on the defensive end and that might have been par- part of the problem why he didn't get along with Giannis up in milwaukee and you've spent time covering the bucks as well i i wonder if the the entire franchise actually understood what type of player they're signing in jabari parker and i get that the money could come off the books next year but mm-hmm. does it surprise you like it doesn't seem like they're properly, they were properly prepared on what type of player he was coming here to Chicago.
8: I mean, I think it's, it's tough. Jabari is, is very talented and he has had some, uh, like fate sealed him some, some, some crappy hands with the knee injuries. So I think that it's really hard to know what sort of player you're going to get coming off those sorts of catastrophic injuries. Um, And I think, you know, it's hard also. You should never underestimate just how challenging it is for a player to come home. I mean, there are different, there's just a different pressure that comes with that. And, uh, you know, Derek kind of felt it. It's been seen here before how challenging that is. I'm not sure if I can say whether or not they knew exactly what they're getting. Um, but I do think Jabari has been helpful in spurts for the Bulls. Um, and, you know, they needed something, right? I mean, we can talk about how much money they paid him and whether or not that was worth it. But they needed to sign something, someone, somewhere, and um, you know they needed to bring him in. Whether or not he is the perfect fit, I you know he's kind of proven that maybe he doesn't belong in that starting lineup. But I do think there are some things that Jabari brings to this team. Um, and it's going to be tough for him. I mean, he only has one year to kind of prove himself, um, which has been which has been challenging for him.
2: Malika covers the NBA for ESPN. Follow her on Twitter at Malika underscore Andrews for all the latest Bulls news. Malika, thanks so much for waking up with us this Sunday morning.
8: <laughs> I needed one more cup of coffee. I appreciate it, guys.
2: <laughs> Our pleasure. Uh, that is Malika Andrews. Again, she covers the Bulls for us here on ESPN 1000. Jeff Meller, Chris Black, and Abdallah here with you. So, so after a back to back, do the Bulls run suicides
4: at the end of practice today? I don't think so. They'll probably I don't save see that. Why not?
3: They'll save that through for the shoot around tomorrow before, right before a oh, game. Oh, before a game. Okay. Yeah. Before yeah. the Kings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean,
4: uh, what what is going on here? I mean, and we we start this whole conversation with is this rock bottom? I don't think it is. I think this is just the start. And let's uh, give a tip of the cap to if say. Can I throw a conspiracy theory out there? If so. say say uh, say that this was all orchestrated mm. because uh, the Bulls front office was aware that this could happen if the coaching change was made. So I, w- I gotta give a tip of the cap if that's the case. I, they wanted and, and, this? And no, 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 no. Not, not that finally, they wanted, it, but they understood they,
2: if they did something like this, it could all spiral, and that they could finally tank correctly. They finally executed exactly that. Ran through my mind is in the sense that this is rock bottom. This may actually be the propulsion they need to
3: get... Look, a number right, because, one pick. we haven't really talked other- about it. A franchise changer. We haven't really talked about it. Well, let's but, do it well, next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it next. There's we- a story out of the Sun-Times that uh, the players did not trust the front office. Oh. We, can, we can talk about that. We'll do that side.
2: next. We'll do a little more Bulls talk before we check in with Matt Bowen to break down all the X's and O's of Bears and Rams, which I know everybody in the city is anxiously awaiting. We'll do that. And Zach Levine weighs in on last night's wreckage. Right here, ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. Is there a fine line between trying to send a message
6: and embarrassing the team? Yeah, I think so. You know, we put a lot of hard work into this. It don't matter. You know, I get up, compete every day. You know, I think you know, regardless of whatever the score is, I want to go out there and compete. But obviously, we didn't get a chance to do that, and then uh, seeing what happened.
5: You said there's a fine line. Which side did that fall on? Message received or embarrassment?
6: I mean, I felt embarrassed score what we lose by 56. Felt embarrassed. Wish I was out there to compete.
2: That's interesting because it's, it's unclear with Zach Levine's words there whether he meant you should, because that's the natural reaction. I think the media, as a fan, you want to hear, yeah, you lose by 56, you want a player to tell you they're embarrassed, but I think it was a little vague as to whether he meant he was embarrassed by Jim. He did say, I want to be out there competing, so does does he mean he was embarrassed by Jim Boylan not allowing starters to go back out to compete in the game, or was it simply embarrassed because of a 56-point blowout loss? It could be both. Yeah. It could certainly be both. He could have been clearer if he truly was upset with Jim Boylan, but I don't think it's in Zach Levine's best interest to try and castrate the head coach after two games.
4: Yeah, I mean it's also the same player that uh, waved off the former coach multiple times at the sure. end of a game because he wanted to take the last shot. So I, I wonder if there's more of like a uh, he thinks he's bigger than the team type mentality because the franchise has kind of Acquists. given him the yeah. the keys of the car as mm-hmm. you're the face of the franchise right For now. now until yeah. Lowry. until we until we have Lowry who can take over and or sign a bigger. Name free agents. So, I mean, listen, was it embarrassing? Yeah, absolutely. If you you tuned into the game at 7 o'clock last night and saw the first quarter, that was embarrassing. If you saw the way it went the rest of the game, that was embarrassing. There was no effort there. And the fact that offensively, you have a team that looks stagnant and it it looks as if they don't know what they're doing. It it, it is all embarrassing. And then you got the try-hard high school-style coaching of Jim Boylan doesn't help the case. Oh,
3: speaking of that, oh, uh, wow. so according to the Sun-Times and Joe Colley, this is what he writes today. Sources, Bulls GM Gar Foreman was the main uh, force behind Fred Hoiberg's firing. He did his own man like that. Uh, he says, according multiple sources say Hoiberg didn't lose the locker room. The problem was his relationship with general manager Gar Foreman. According to sources, Hoiberg was approached by several key players, including Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade during the 2016-17 playoff season that told uh, and told that they didn't want Foreman around or as part of the traveling party because they didn't trust him. Him. According to one player, Foreman was even trying to draw up plays for the team that looked straight out of some high school blank, man. <laughs> um, so Hoiberg yeah. went above Foreman and to PAX, obviously, and said, hey, the team doesn't trust him. They don't want him around. That made Foreman mad. He tried to fire Hoiberg. Uh, the franchise told him he couldn't because of all the money that was owed to Fred Hoiberg and the fact that they, he made them hire him. Uh, and so he was just waiting for the right moment and found his right moment and fired Fred Hoiberg.
2: We will keep discussing Bulls, but up next, Matt Bowen, NFL Films, talks Bears and Rams with us on ESPN 1000. This is good for free agency. Why well, i
0: easy. This is Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. I'm
9: easy like Sunday
1: morning.
2: Good Sunday morning to you. I am Jeff Meller along with Adam Abdallah and Chris Black, keeping you guys company until noon, when we have ourselves a little bit of football, Texans and Colts, right here on ESPN Radio. And when you're really feeding for some uh, some Bears breakdown, starting at four o'clock, Woo. Fred Hubner, Steve Mongo, McMichael, they will get you completely ready for bears and
3: rams breakdown but we're doing the same thing as well you can go see them you can go hang out with them you, you can shoot do the that. hand of a fred hubner you can fist bump of steve mongo mcmichael that you want if you want to i will say, say twin
2: peaks in orland the uh the steve mongo mcmichael experience is always better in person it is and wouldn't you guys agree for sure uh, it's absolutely. great on the radio but yeah. it's better in person absolutely so go on out to twin peaks in wheeling say hello to the gentleman as Orleans. uh Twin Peaks in Orleans. Yes, out in Orleans. The Twin Peaks in Orleans, not Wheeling. Yes. So anyway. Good start to the hour, guys. Whatever. This is good. Yeah, take a whatever. sip of coffee. Here we go. Whatever. Like you said. Bears and Rams, week 14. Let's get whatever. at it. Twin Peaks in Orleans. <laughs> Steve Manga, McMike on Fred Hume at 4 o'clock. Getting you set. As are we, and we'll be talking to Matt Bowen shortly about the latest and what the Bears need to do to stop this prolific Rams offense. Before we bring in Matt, though, let's, uh, let's ask the man who uh, knows a thing or two about defense just what he thinks about Sean McVay. The Bears defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, weighed in on Thursday about what he's impressed with with Sean McVay.
5: I like that he's got a simple but yet um, very effective offense that creates conflicts for the defense, that they run their marry their running game and passing game together in such a really good fashion. Um, I've always been impressed with him. I remember um, a couple years ago, you know, not too long before he got hired by the Rams, uh, speaking to a, a general manager in the league, and he was asking me about offensive coaches to consider because he thought he might be looking for a head coach, and I mentioned his name to him. That's how highly I thought of him back then, even before The success he's had.
2: Again, Vic Fangio on Sean McVay and just how he knew McVay was going to be good in this league even before he became a head coach. I think a lot of people who were familiar with the inner workings of play callers in the league knew Sean McVay had a good chance to succeed. I don't know if they knew he'd be this good this quickly, but... It's been something to watch over the last you know one and a half plus years.
4: Yeah, it's been impressive, and uh, seeing what they did from last year into this season, I think is also impressive because I, I at no point in coming into the season have they taken a step back or faltered. Right? They they took what they did last year and they've only built upon it and become one of the best teams in football.
3: And he knows all the Bears players. Well,
2: yeah. Yes. Okay. All, <laughs> all football coaches everywhere. the no players. Perfect lead in. Let's, let's talk to he someone who it. probably could list. Yeah. The starting offensive <laughs> playing players and the probably defensive players too. I'll give him that much credit of, of at least thirty of the thirty-two NFL teams. I'll I'll give him a couple uh you know a couple uh a couple of mulligans, but he could probably give you all thirty-two if he had to in a pinch. Matt Bowen does a great job breaking down the X's and O's on ESPN's NFL Films. You can see it every Saturday morning, seven thirty a.m. Central Time. It also reairs for you night owls at three uh, thirty. That's when I it's catch. Sunday morning. That's right, right before we come into work. So uh, the NFL matchup show on ESPN. Matt Bowen joins us now. Matt, uh, what do you so? What uh, give us first of all? I guess uh, how many teams could you list all the starters for? Yeah,
10: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many I could, but uh, to go to your point with you guys and looking at it there, yeah, I would expect every head coach can do that. Yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, going into the week, uh, based on your opponent, your scouting, your scouting reports, the film you watch, every head coach knows what they're going against, what they have to limit, what they can expose, and what they can target. Uh, and with Sean McVay, I think a great example of when you guys are playing the, the soundbite there from Coach Fangio is what they do offense. Uh, okay, because he talked about how they marry their running, their passing, and what he's talking about there is that looks the same. So if you're a linebacker and you're a safety, you have to play with incredible eye discipline tonight against the Rams offense because they run that outside zone with Todd Gurley. And off of that, they have a jet sweep, they have play action, and they have the screen game. It all looks the same. And now, understand, it's the same offense that Kyle Shanahan runs in San Francisco. They use two running backs. What you'll see tonight with the Rams, it's all three-wide personnel. They lead the NFL right now in three-wide receiver personnel. I don't think it's over 90% of their snaps. So again, everything looks similar, and when you see those wide receivers, they're real tight in the line of scrimmage. So everyone is inside of the numbers. That again, it clouds everything from a defensive perspective, and you really have to play with discipline to take away their top options.
2: Matt, so you mentioned I think it was the exact numbers, like ninety six point three percent out of three wide receiver sets. They've Ooh. been, you know, every like you said, everything. It's so you never know what's going to come out of that formation. But I'm curious. Over the last couple of weeks, since the loss of Cooper Cup, have you seen them struggle at all without his presence?
10: Well, you know, they didn't play their best football last week. Anyone who watched that game against Detroit saw that they did not play their best football. But, uh, you know, Josh Reynolds is in there. He's a younger wide receiver, uh, more of a straight-line speed guy, you know, a different player than Cooper Cup. You know, Cooper Cup was such a good route runner. He has such a great feel, too for finding pockets in coverage, whether it's man coverage or zone coverage. So he was on the same page all the time with Jared Goff. And what you're seeing now is that they're highlighting Brandon Cooks more. They're highlighting Robert Woods more. And really, with Robert Woods, I think everyone is finally realizing just how talented of a wide receiver he is. He obviously didn't have you know the production early in his career when he was with Buffalo. But now that he's in this offense and being highlighted and being targeted a bunch more, He is an outstanding route runner. He's got great top-end speed. And, again, with that offense, their job, you know, with Sean McVay when he puts in these plays, what he's trying to do is allow Jared Goff to throw in rhythm. So when he gets to the top of the drop, that ball's coming out. And a lot of times they create those open-window throws, especially inside verticals, inside the numbers. That's where Cooks and Woods are going to be tonight.
4: Someone that I'm going to watch uh, key in on tonight is Leonard Floyd. And I think his ability to either cool. drop into coverage or to go after the quarterback, I think it's going to be super important for the Bears in this matchup. What do you see from Floyd hanging into this game?
10: Uh, I think the arrows point up from Leonard Floyd. You know, if you were to ask me earlier in the season, I would say, where are the impact plays? And you weren't seeing that. You know, we track disruptions. And it was the same thing when I was a player. Uh, you
6: know,
10: how you're graded is how much you disrupt the game, whether it was tackles, forced fumbles hits in the quarterback, altering the throw, whatever that may be. There's a lot of categories in there, but that's how we graded ourselves as players. And early in, early in the season, uh, Leonard Floyd was not showing up there. He wasn't being very disruptive, but lately he is. He's getting to the quarterback. And they're doing things up front that are allowing it. They're running more twist-ups. Anyone who watches the Dallas uh, Philadelphia game today will see that from the Dallas defense. That's how they create pressure. And what they do is they have the defensive tackles work up the field. And that allows a guy like Leonard Floyd to scrape inside off a defensive line stunt. And that's where you see his closing speed. That's where you see his athleticism. So I agree with you. Does he have to play a big role? Without a doubt, he's going to have to play a big role. Because if I'm the Rams, I'm sliding protection to Cleo Mack. And if my first thing I have to do tonight is to take him out of the game, especially on third downs and really second and long. You have to slide protection to Cleo Mack. So can they run a stunt backside to get Leonard Floyd free and allow him to get home to the quarterback? That's something to take a look at.
3: On the other side of the ball, what are the Bears going to have to do to try to stop Aaron Donald and Indomitian Sioux?
10: <laughs> well, the first thing is why how the Rams do it. You know, they don't it, – it, it's different. You know, that's why I brought up Cleo Mack. It's different if you're playing against an edge rusher. And you guys know that. You can, you can use a running back. You can keep a tight end in. You can double on the outside or chip on the outside. It's hard to do that inside. It's a much cleaner path or a clearer path to get home to the quarterback and a shorter path. And what they do is they they – they take their defensive tackles and they line them wide in their four man front, so they're really they're on the outside edge of the guard. Well, that that prevents the center from really helping, right? The center wants to help to either side, well, he's already on the edge of the guard, so it kind of turns into one on one a lot of times. Uh, what I would do, get the ball out quickly first. Use a lot of boot, a lot of misdirection, so you can impact the rush paths for Aaron Donald up front. Now, I'll, I'll say this: I think the Bears have to be extremely aggressive on offense tonight. I do. I don't think they'll be. With Trubisky back, and even after missing a couple of games, I really don't see the Bears uh, trying to limit them in any way. You have to score points tonight. As talented as this Bears defense is, and I think up they're up there with the Ravens in Dallas right now as the top defenses in the NFL. You still have to score points to beat the Rams. And you have to be aggressive, especially against that LA secondary that has struggled a lot this year.
3: I was to, that was going to be my next question. is: Is there right. Since uh, Trubisky has to get the ball out early and take advantage of that, where are there mismatches in the uh, Rams secondary that he can take advantage of?
10: Well, you know, the Rams play a lot of quarters coverage. Okay, so quarters coverage is basically man coverage on the field for the safeties. I would attack the safeties inside. That's the first thing I would do, attack the safeties inside, whether that's getting Miller up the seam, getting Burton up the seam, getting Gabriel up the seam. You know, that's what the Bears like to do. They like to go three-by-one sets, and they like to attack that inside scene with two receivers. You're going to see that early. Um, in the three-step and five-step passing game, that's always a part of their core offense. But I would use a lot of misdirection and use some more max protection to protect your quarterback, especially against that pass rush, and then take your shots on the field. Now, Tlaib is back. This is a big thing, because going into the season, guys that looked at the secondary said, man, this can be a really nice group. But Marcus Peters struggled. Tlaib got hurt. You didn't see the true versatility of Marcus Jordan because they had injuries, they had to make adjustments in the secondary, how this secondary starts to come together now. Because if they do start to come together, then this might be one of the best teams overall in the NFL. We know what they can do offensively, we know what they can do with the pass rush, but if they can get that impact in the secondary, man, that's going to be tough to beat.
2: Matt Bo- Matt Bowen of uh, ESPN, uh, NFL matchup show, joining us right now in ESPN 1000. Matt, I'm curious, like you, so you had a six, seven year career in the NFL as a safety. Was there ever a game in your career where your team was solid, but maybe, you know, still had some stuff to prove? Where you went up against a team that you knew was one of the clear-cut best in the NFL, where you thought of it as a proving game. Was there any time in your career where you remember kind of what the Bears have in front of them today—a scenario where you know the schedule just laid out, where you had an up-and-coming team, but you still hadn't proven it completely, and yet you were taking on one of the better teams in the league?
10: Uh, I think it was really earlier in my career when I played with the Packers. Um, I think I want to say the year was 2002. Yeah, 2002, we went 12 and four. Uh, we had a game out in the road against San Francisco. And I don't know if it was a proven game, but it was Terrell Owens. And Terrell Owens was having a monster season. And I remember late in the game, they, they had the ball in scoring position, and they were moving down to the red zone. And had a shot to win the football game. And we were playing quarters coverage, and they went in motion, and all of a sudden it was me and T.O. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I hope the quarterback doesn't see me here. <laughs> He's going to throw it at me, and we're going to lose the football game. Uh, but, You know, it was one of those type of games. Uh, You know, Brett made a bunch of plays. Uh, Amon Green on the ground. It it was one of those games You know, late in the season that kind of proved who we were. And we ended up winning the division. We lost in the playoffs to Michael Vick and the Falcons. But uh, it was one of those games. And this is the best – I'm telling you guys, this is the best time as a player. It's the best time as an NFL fan. These games mean everything now. I mean, look at Dallas-Philadelphia later today. That's a huge game in the NFL. Minnesota-Seattle tomorrow night, a huge game in the NFL. All these games count now. They all count for something. Baltimore-Kansas City, I can't wait to see that Ravens defense against Patrick Mahomes. It's a great test for a young quarterback. So this is the time of the season where everyone starts to separate. It starts around Thanksgiving, and then it moves in the month of December. And you're going to see a lot of movement. I mean, there's a lot of football. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of football left to be played this month, and this is where you find out who the real teams are. It really is. What are the teams that can win critical game situations? Who can win 2 minutes? Who can win third down? What defense can show up inside the red zone? Those are the things that count right now. And we'll look at the numbers afterwards, but when I look at football, it's always about those critical game situations in the month of December. Those are the best teams. So I'm telling you right now, the team we haven't talked about a bunch this season is the New England Patriots. And the past two weeks, Tom Brady's played his best football. That's not good for the rest of the league. (laughs) It's not because the Patriots are getting strong. That's what they always do. They've become physically physically and mentally stronger than everyone in the league in the month of December. So if the Bears want to be considered a legit football team, it doesn't mean you have to win the game tonight to have a chance to play us, but you have to compete and win those critical game situations to show or want to show yourselves that we can play against the Los Angeles Rams. We can play against Sean McVay's offense that you hear about every single day in the media, and there's a reason because of that, because they are so productive, and you can look at the film and see that as well. But as a player, to look at those situations and say, we can play with the best. We can play with the best. We can play with Los Angeles. We can go into the playoffs and play with the New Orleans Saints. You can do things like that. It does help your confidence as a player.
4: You know, looking at those critical game situations, the one thing we were talking about earlier was Mitch Trubisky, and if he has to stay in the pocket, can he accomplish that? Because I think we all kind of assume the Bears might tell him to pull back a little bit on the running game since that's how he got hurt and missed two weeks. Mm-hmm. So do you think Mitch Trubisky, if he has to stay in the pocket, can succeed in those critical game situations?
10: I think, the, let's put it this way I think the opportunities will be there. I think Matt Nagy has done a great job this year in terms of creating. High percentage throws and open throwing windows for the quarterback. You, you saw it the last two weeks with the backup quarterback. Now, granted, the production wasn't always there, but the opportunities were there. The opportunities of th- this offense is excellent. If you're a quarterback, this is one of the offenses you want to play. In. Where it's McVay, Shanahan, or it's the Reed, Coach Peterson, Coach Nagy offense. Those, in my opinion, are the top two offenses right now in the NFL in terms of creating opportunities for the quarterback position.
2: Matt Bourne so joining
10: up, up the quarterback you know if he can make those throws but the opportunities are going to
2: be there. Matt Bowen joining us on the ESPN 1000 Matt you mentioned the Patriots playing well lately they go into Miami which is if if Tom Brady struggles anywhere for whatever reason right. he has struggled in Miami against the division foe I'm curious what you've seen from Rob Gronkowski limited as it has been this season Do you think they're merely saving Gronk for the playoffs, and as the you know, as you said, the games get bigger, or do you think you've actually seen a bit of a drop off in Gronk's play from all the injuries, you know, kind of sapping some of his just freakish ability?
10: Yeah, I I think it's a combination of both. Um, You know, that's what the Patriots do uh, because we know in the playoffs, James White is going to get more snaps, more touches. And during the regular season, they start to build up to that, especially at the running back position. They've always done that in New England. Now you have Rex Burkhead back as well. Um, but with Gronk, uh, you know, he's not playing as fast. That's the best way I can put it. When I look at the tape of Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz or, or George Kittle out in San Francisco, they're playing at a faster faster rate on the field. Uh, Gronk has had injuries. He looks like he's a player that is, is playing through some injuries. And that's a credit for him. I mean, if you want to look at the, some of the toughest players in the NFL. Gronkowski is on that list, given the amount of hits he takes and the amount of injuries he's had to play through and recover from. But right now, no, he doesn't look like uh, he's playing at the same rate as the other top tight ends in the NFL right now. So what are they going to do to facilitate more production around him, uh, more touches for Julian Edelman, more running game? You know, that's what New England has really become lately. They're more of a two-back running team. You know, they're, they're kind of old school. They had two touchdowns last week running a fullback belly dive. You don't see that stuff anymore, but that's what they're doing right now. Sony Michelle getting more volume out of the backfield, uh, using more play action, a lot of first down flash with Tom Brady again to create those open throwing windows. We looked at two of those routes on the matchup show this week, and that, you know that obviously caters to more uh, ball control and tempo. It caters to their personnel right now, and also caters to the quarterback position because when you give Tom Brady a high percentage throw, he's not going to miss. That's not what he does. He's not going to miss. I think they're putting him in a position which is making him more productive as well.
4: You know, a couple minutes ago, you mentioned a whole bunch of teams that are kind of at the top of the NFL. And one team that I'm still trying to figure out are the Houston Texans. They have nine wins, but are they a real team? And what have you seen from uh, Deshaun Watson this season?
10: Well, it's a little different because remember last year before Watson got hurt, um, pre-snap in Bill O'Brien's office, they had a lot of misdirection. You know, wide receivers, motioning into the backfield, fake reverses, fake... Uh, quarterback design run, move them outside the pocket, and that's how they're creating windows. But now they're a different football team. You know, and part of that is Watson coming off an of the injury. They're not moving him as much. And you lost Will Fuller. You know, Will Fuller, uh, he's a 4 forty guy. And if you're a safety, if you started 15 yards against Will Fuller, that's not good enough. You can't get to 18 or 20 to stay on top of him. So he lose that speed down the field. They went out and got Dem- Demarius Thomas. So again, who doesn't really fit that Skill set role. He's more of a possession guy, more of an underneath route runner, intermediate route runner. So what they're doing now is more volume in the run game with Lamar Miller. You still have the boot in the play action with Deshaun Watson, but again, it's I think they're running to throw the football, and what that is doing is creating more efficient passing for Deshaun Watson right now, and he's throwing much better from the pocket this year than I think he did last year, uh, and that's because of the offensive structure around. Him. But really, in Houston, part, you know, a major part of uh, his winning streak is that defense. I mean, the defense is, is – <laughs> I think they're loaded on the defense. Uh, with Clowney, with Locke, with Merciless back, what they can do in the secondary with Tyron Matthew and Justin Reed, the rookie safety out of Stanford, what they're getting out of Kareem Jackson, that corner. Uh, and, and they can use multiple sub-packages. The talent at the linebacker position. They are a nasty defense on film. And they do some great things under Romeo Cornell to create confusion up front in protection schemes, create those matches. A lot of times you see Clowney inside working against a guard. I'm going to tell you right now, a guard doesn't want any part of that. You don't, want, you don't want to have to block Clowney one-on-one with a shorter pass to quarterback. So really it's a combination of the offensive structure, the run game by, a more efficient passing, than Watson, and a defense that's a top five unit in the NFL.
2: One more game this weekend that Bears fans will obviously be watching closely and could have huge implications on the NFC playoff teams. The Vikings head to Seattle. The Seahawks Seahawks have won three in a row. How do you see this one playing out? What do you expect from a Vikings team that's been scuffling of late and maybe Mike Zimmer's not completely happy with the job John D. Filippo's been doing calling plays? Yeah, I can
10: understand that, and they're not running the ball uh, with production, it's one thing to say we need to run the football more. I mean, look, we can all say that, you know, but how you do it, when you do it. You know, in today's NFL, you don't need to be 50-50 in terms of offensive balance. I don't believe that. You just don't. You need, but you need to run the ball in certain situations. You need to be able to control the ball late in the fourth quarter. You need to run the ball in short yards. You need to be able to run the ball inside the red zone. It's hard, guys, it's hard to throw in the red zone. Because as a defensive back, you don't have to cover as much. You have the back end line to that protect That's That's your extra defender you're more aggressive, the windows are, are, are tighter, the ball has to come out much quicker, and the, the speed of the game increases so much especially inside of the plus 10 yard line so I think those, those are the areas of the concern for Minnesota when they have to run the ball, can they do it you know, Dalvin Cook you know, based on the film, he looks like the guy before his knee injury now I think he's playing extremely fast and I know they have some limitations in the offensive line but again, how do you create run game production use more edge runs, use more pre-snap misdirection to try to facilitate run game production you know, because that's what Seattle does. I think if you look at the Seahawks team, that's what Mike Zimmer wants from an offensive perspective. That's what he would like to have. Seattle, I mean, there's not a lot of window dressing anymore with Seattle. It's downhill running. It's downhill running. They're playing better on defense. They're back to the same scheme they used during those Super Bowl years. More cover three defense, more zone-based defense than they have been the past couple of years. And I, I look at that football game, and I think this might be one of the most most physical games this Seattle season. I really believe that. So if you're a fan of some old-school football and some physical football, watch Monday night. There's going to be some hits in in that game now. Uh, Because, again, we're in the month of December, and you have two teams in, in a really critical point of their schedule if they want to continue to stay in the playoff discussion.
2: Great breakdown there from Matt Bowen. You can catch all his stuff. Follow him on Twitter. He's at MattBowen41. And check out the NFL matchup show again every 730 Uh, Saturday, 7.30 a.m. Central on ESPN. So, uh, Matt, thanks so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. We uh, cannot wait for Bears and Rams tonight. All right, guys. Thank you. Take care. Again, Matt Bowen, uh, the NFL Matchup Show. Great job there.
4: Yeah, it's great football talking. It's a great show, too, uh, to see them go through and, and actually point out the schematics on how defenses cover offenses and how the offenses in this day and age of the NFL are
3: getting guys open because we're seeing one of the best in the entire league right here in Chicago with Matt Nagy. It's going to be interesting when he referenced um, how the Bears can be successful on offense and trying to get out, get the ball out quickly. That's not something we've seen Mitchell Trubisky really be successful at. Those like first two drives where it's scripted plays, mm-hmm. he's been successful at it. But after that, trying to get to get balls to receivers early in the right after the ball is snapped try to get the ball out quickly he's not Aaron Rodgers back there like he's still overthrowing guys he's still under throwing guys so it's going to be interesting to see when he comes back from injury with this with his throwing shoulder how they game plan against the best defensive player in the league and one of the best defensive lines in the league all right well we will continue to talk plenty of NFL action,
2: specifically some money making opportunities. We will speak with Chris Raybon of the Action Network. You can uh, hear him on the "I'll Take the Bet," "I'll Take That Bet" podcast on ESPN. Chris Raybon of the Action Network tells us the latest on all the NFL lines and what you may need to know and be aware of if you want to make uh, a wager today. Maybe he can uh, lead us down a seven team parlay. Listen, we the last we, time we were listen, on. We, had a, we had a we had
3: a seven team teaser last time. It hit at nine to one. I just made one. Uh that, oh, you, you just made a sharing with the class? Think, What's your deal? I, I, I think I constructed rogue. One? I constructed one of that I think I, know, I noticed I you were conspicuously think... quiet
2: during the Matt Bowen interview.
3: Well, listen, you were putting together a, listen, uh, all right, a, a teaser I was looking at lines. I was I made a little teaser. I'll share it with the class and all
2: we'll right. see how this goes. There you
4: how, go. How high did you tease up the bucks at home against the Saints? They're getting nine and a half right now. How, not, how, how high did you go with that? Did not. He well, stayed sweet, away.
2: Sweetheart teaser, put took, that thing took, up to 16 and a half. Took the we will, uh, we'll find out next what uh, 17 right. parlay Adam Abdallah has teaser. in store. The Bengals are
4: getting plus 15?
2: We'll talk to a true oh. professional as well right. who knows a thing or two, Chris Rabine. All next here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. Welcome back. ESPN 1000. I'm Jeff Meller along with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. Chicago's Game day here with you as we are now what are we seven, eight, nine as I count on the air, to my old Francesca, We're about Whoa, whoa, what's going We're on? Hours there? away. Yeah, all right. Oh yeah, yeah, you don't you don't control your mic. I can't
3: control my own mic. Chris. From this position, if you uh, to pull back the curtain, if my mic is never on not on, it's Chris's fault. Yes, that because is. Because I don't control my own microphone from this uh, spot. Just so you know. What are you bl- I, blaming others? I guess I could use this mic, and then I could All I right. could use let, this let, one. Let's get to All the right.
4: real uh, important things. Uh, Jeff, we have, what, nine hours for
2: the game Just or whatever you're saying? Just shy of nine
3: um, hours away
2: have, from we Bears have, and Rams. We
4: have less than an hour and a half to get ready for the NFL Sunday action and get your bets
2: ready. Thank you for All making right. my point for me, Chris, because my mind is mush right now. We are a mere hour and a half away from the start of the noon slates, and I know a lot of folks out there have an itch that needs to be scratched, and that's exactly what Chris Rabon is going to help us do. Chris Rabon of the Action Network will uh, help us sort through some of these lines today. Let's uh, get it started with a game that we're going to be airing here on ESPN 1000 at noon, the Texans and Colts. Texans right now a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Let's bring in Chris. Hey, Chris, good morning. How you doing?
11: Good morning, guys. How are you? How are you?
2: Not too bad. Uh, just your thoughts initially about that uh, four-and-a-half points Texans favored in against the Colts today.
11: Sure. So, you know, I'm a big fan of the Texans. I think that um, it's gotten kind of overlooked, you know, how good of a team they are because they haven't had a real tough schedule. And so um, no one really respects them. However, in this game, uh, it's before I think it's too much, I think it should be three. So what you're seeing here is 58% of the public bet um you know coming in on houston but um only 50 percent of the money so there, there looks to be some sharp action uh, on the coast in this spot and i tend to agree
4: chris when we take a look at the dolphins and the patriots i think a lot of people assume that the patriots are playing their best football this season right now uh, they are favored by nine points but they're on the road in miami is that a spot where you look at the underdog and say maybe uh, that's where some of the money is going on before this game
11: Oh, absolutely. You know, um, you know, we know the Patriots have kind of historically stumbled a little bit, um, when they have gone to Miami, especially in these late season spots. And the, uh, the betting percentages do back it up. As you alluded to, we see 62% of the public bets on the New England Patriots. However, only 50% of the money. So 50-50 split with the money, about 12% difference in favor of those pesky Dolphins.
3: Dolphins are a team, or Dolphins. Dallas is a team that's right about now that's hitting their stride. This game opened uh, with them as a four point favorite. It's now down to three. Philly kind of struggling as they're six and six. How do you see this game with Dallas being the home team?
11: Yeah, so for for anyone that's kind of a a little bit newer to betting out there or or wants to get into it more, one thing uh, you should all know is that. Dallas, people love to bet the Cowboys. You know, they're a very popular team uh, throughout the, the country, pretty much. And um, because of that, you usually see uh, bookmakers shade the line a little bit high for Dallas. And I think you're seeing that in this game as well. Um, you know, Philly has struggled, yes, but you know, they still have Carson West. They still have some guys to throw to on, um, on the inside, which is really where you want to attack Dallas because they play very good uh, pass defense uh, on the outside with Byron Jones and Alugier. So um, you're kind of seeing that reflected in the be- in the public betting too, because uh, this should be about this should have been a three point spread probably the whole time. You're seeing 58 uh, percent of the public betting on the Cowboys, but six uh, percent less of the money than the bets coming in on the Cowboys. So a little bit of uh, a little bit of sharp action coming in on Philly as well.
2: He is at Chris Raybon on Twitter. Chris, uh, the Packers make the move. They fire Mike McCarthy after the tough loss to the Cardinals last week. They have Joe Philbin now in charge with what would seem to be a delighted Aaron Rodgers at this point now that he can move on. They're hosting the Falcons today, and they are a four-point favorite. I'm curious, what's the approach when you have a new head coach calling the plays with a team like the Packers hosting the Falcons today?
11: You know, it is a little bit difficult because you don't have quite the sample size. However, um, with the Packers, there's not too many variables um, in play. Like You still have Aaron Rodgers, you still have Kind of this concentrated uh, target distribution where you know the ball's going to Adams, you know the, you know, Aaron Jones is going to get some some looks, and, uh, and you know Jimmy Graham and, and uh, Randall Cobb. So, um, not too big of a, a, a change, I don't think. Um, as far as the betting, what you're seeing is uh, 66% of the public is betting on the Green Bay Packers here as three and a half point favorites. Um, and even more money is coming in on the Packers. So, um, some big bets coming in on the Packers because there's 76% of the money on the Packers. And I think the Falcons' real issue here is. Um, number one, can can they perform on the road? You know, they they've averaged only twenty points per game on the road. They've really struggled. And number two, can they run the ball at all? I mean, they've ran thirty one times for sixty yards over these last few games. They've also struggled to protect the passer. So with a with a, a new coaching staff, you might actually see uh, Green Bay outperform um, what it's been doing for most of the season. And I think that's why you're seeing um, some some sharp money coming in on the pack.
4: You know, looking at the New Orleans Saints, uh, they're nine and three this season against the spread, and they're on the road. They're facing a Tampa Bay team that gains a lot of yards. They're also getting a lot of points at home. How would uh, you suggest someone play this game?
11: So, I, I, I uh, my bet was on the uh, under in this game, but it actually opened at fifty-seven and a half. So now it's down to fifty-four. I think that's a fairer um, a fairer total. But essentially, um, the play here on the under was that. You know, Tampa Bay had an unsustainable turnover rate over these, over like a nine game stretch. They turned it over 29 times. Um, that's an outlier. So when you kind of project Tampa, you have to kind of turn that down a little to regress that to the mean turnover, tend to create more scoring. Um, and, and then for the Saints, you know, they haven't allowed 20 points in over a month on defense. So um, this could be a lower scoring game than you think. And this could also be one where, uh, you know, kind of recency bias uh, played in a little bit at first with the line kind of opening at, at eight, but it has been bet up to 10. For the New Orleans Saints, I think um, you know that, that's, a, that's the one where I'm not really uh, touching. I like the total more, but 69% of the public and 75% of the money is on the Saints. So I think um, you know if you are feeling that that the Saints, I think it's okay to bet. I wouldn't go any higher than, than 10, though.
3: The biggest spread of the day, the Chargers, a 15-and-a-half point favorite against the Bengals. The Bengals are horribly beat up. Jeff Driscoll, come get some. Yeah, but you would oh. think that regardless, 15-and-a-half points, points is a lot of points Ooh. for any, any NFL team, right, Chris?
11: Absolutely, you have to. Uh, you know, if you're betting this game, um, yeah, ha- I think you bet you bet you bet Cincinnati here. Um, if you if you, if not, you just you just don't touch it because uh, this is a spot where, you know, again, you mentioned it, big favorites. It's really tough to cover it. This could just be this could happen to just be a lower scoring game, and you're kind of seeing that again reflected in the percentages, sixty four percent. Uh, just about two-thirds of the public betting on the charges. However, the money split pretty much down the line 50-50 indicating that some big money coming in on the uh, Cincinnati Bengals.
3: Chris,
2: uh, alright, enough with the appetizers. We're here in Chicago. Everybody is awaiting, anxiously awaiting this Rams-Bears showdown. It's it's the marquee matchup of the weekend. The One of the best offenses in the league against one of the most dynamic defenses and right now it looks like the Bears are getting three points at home. Which way are you leaning in this game?
11: I like I like your team. I like your hometown team in this one. Uh, I think there are are some question marks about uh, the Rams' offense. I think they, aside from that Kansas City game, I think they have looked sluggish at times without Cooper Cup in the lineup. You know, Jared Goff's safety blanket uh, over the middle of the field. Uh, they're expected to be pretty cold temperatures. Um, you know, tonight, which I think is also a play on the uh, over/under. You know, it, it opened at fifty-four been bet down to fifty-one. And a half, sixty uh, percent of the bets and sixty-three percent of the money is on that under. And, and for and for the Rams, you know, as we talked about, you know, uh, two-thirds of the public likes the Rams here, sixty-seven percent. However, another one with the money pretty much split fifty-fifty, indicating um, you know there there are there is some sharp support for the the Rams. And a tra- an interesting trend is that you know. Since 2003, when teams scoring at least 30 points per game, as the Rams are, face a defense that is allowing fewer than 21 points per game, as the Bears are, Um, when when, when a matchup like this occurs in December or later the high scoring team is just 29 42 and three against the spread so that's only a 41 percent uh cover rate for the rams so um i think there are some trends a lot of trends kind of pointing in in the direction of chicago here so i think you take those points
4: chris back in the summer before the nfl season started you gave us some really good information on mitch trubisky as a fancy football player for this season if we take a look from what he did in year one to year two what have you seen from mitch in the improvements he's made in the second year
11: I think the first thing is, uh, aggressiveness. You know, Mitch Trubisky is throwing downfield at a, a lot higher rate this year. Um, his average depth of target tends to be up there, um, you know, in, in the, in the top half of the league. Um, I also think that, uh, Matt Nagy has, uh, kind of, it, it's more about the supporting cast, right? Because Mitch Trubisky was spaceship. He was a high pick. Um, you know, he, he was sought after. You know, the Bears traded up to get him. And, um, you put some, you put some guys around him when you have Tariq Cohen and Kayla Gabriel and Alan Robinson and, and Anthony Miller and Trey Burton. Every one of his receivers is very capable in any given week of exploiting a mismatch. And I think that's been the biggest improvement for Trubisky along with the running ability because he's, he's, uh, he's taken about 18% of the, of Chicago's runs are from Mitch Trubisky. Um, he's gaining a lot of yards with them. That, that really helps in today's NFL. So it's just kind of been a perfect storm of, you know, smart, uh, better supporting cast uh better uh better decision making from trubisky and more aggressiveness
3: chris odds are i'm gonna lose money today so i'm gonna need to bet (laughs) um, i'm gonna need to bet tomorrow uh tomorrow's game uh how do you see minnesota and seattle i see 68 percent of the money is coming in on seattle at minus three but only 63 percent of the bets are on seattle so does that mean the sharps are on seattle
11: yeah, I mean, so that's a you know it's a it's a very small discrepancy, um, and and so one thing you also want to look at when you're when you're kind of looking for the sharp action is the number of bets we have that in the action network app, um, and and these these games like the the primetime games uh, tend to be among the hot more highly bet games, which means more casual betters uh, are betting that one. So um, it's not like that that difference is just five points, not necessarily in, indicative of sharp action. I think personally that the uh the smarter play is on the total here if you can get it at uh at 45 or 45 and a half still it's up to 46 and a half um 46 46 and a half in some spots but um that's where you're really seeing a little bit more uh, of a of a discrepancy between the bets and the money Seventy eight percent of the public is on the over but 90% of the money is on the over and I'm uh, I'm on the over as well. I think that uh, you know Russell Wilson um is just uh, an excellent quarterback I think you know Doug Baldwin he's questionable. So that, that's one thing that you have to kind of watch out for. But I think even with that being said, I mean, Tyler Lockett kind of stepped into the slot, played really well. Jerron Brown played well when, when called upon and, uh, and David Moore as well on the outside.
2: Chris odds are after Adam Abdallah gets right and makes money on Monday night, he's going to go chasing the Alabama, Oklahoma. He's going to lay 14 points on on his, uh, on his beloved Alabama. Do you think, do you play, do you put any stock in the old, uh, the Kyler Murray won the Heisman, so there's some bulletin board material there for Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide.
11: Um, you know, I try, I try to stay away from the narratives and betting because I always trip myself up. I, uh, but I, I will say this, you know, if you if you look at the uh, the, the public versus the the money in this game, um, even with Bama, you know, up here as as a 14 point favorite, you're seeing the best split almost 50 50 down the line, but two-thirds of the money is on Bama. So um, definitely some some sharp support for Bama, at, even at these spots. We've seen them kind of in, in most of these big spots and big spreads. Um, they, they've, they've, they've been able to get it done. So um, we'll see if they can do it one more time.
4: Chris, one last game I wanted to ask you about uh, for the noon kicks. Uh, I am confused as a gambler to what the Carolina Panthers are. I think we all assume that they, halfway through the season, we're going to be one of the better teams in the NFC, and then they've gone on this losing streak. They haven't played well as of late. And Cleveland, on the other hand, I think we all kind of are rooting for because we like Baker Mayfield, and we think that they're like a team that can really give a good effort from, from week in and week out. Where How would you play this game, and what are the Sharps doing?
11: So uh, 67% of the uh, bet. Uh, coming in on Carolina here, but 59% of the money. So, another one, uh, a little bit less uh, bet game. So, that is one where um, you take that, that discrepancy of, of 8% a little more seriously. Um, you know, so the Sharps are on, on the Cleveland Browns. Um, I, I also like the over in this game. I liked it a little more um, You know, when it opened at 46.5 uh, or even at 47. Now it's up to 48. So, uh, I think a little bit of the value has been. Uh, kind of fed out of that one, but the Panthers, here's the thing you got to remember, and this is another one um, for anyone that's a little bit newer to this um, to kind of keep in mind. One score game in the NFL are, are a 50-50 bet traditionally, right? So um, even if you're off the worst team in the league, if you lose, let's say, uh, 16 games all by one score, you're more close to a 500 team than you are to an 0-16 team. Uh, you just had bad luck. And so the Panthers' last three losses have all come by one score. They, they got blown out at Pittsburgh, and I think that's what's kind of exacerbating uh, the public perception of the Panthers a little bit, is that they had that blowout, and then they lost three more games by one score. But in reality, the Panthers are exactly who we thought they were. They just ran into some tough situations um, and, and lost some close games. And uh, I think, you know, this is a pick right now, so it could be another one. They could lose again. They're still a solid team. It's just, um, you know, it, it happens in the NFL. There's only a 16-game sample size.
2: All right, great info. Thanks a lot, Chris. We appreciate it. We will be checking you out at the Action Network. Again, check out the app. I know Adam Abdallah uses it. He probably checks it, what, uh, 10 times a day? Uh, uh, no, that's no, more, than, more than that. Yeah, Not more than, than that. that. Yeah, on Sunday, on hours, forget yeah. it. So, uh, Chris Rabon of the Action Network, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for joining us.
11: All right, folks. Take care. Thanks, right. Chris.
2: That was, again, Chris Raybon of the Action Network. Great stuff there. I'll
3: all give right. out my teaser next. All right, there you go. That's all you
2: need. Abdallah gives you the teaser next, and then it's paying w- nine
3: to one. I'm just saying it's going to pay nine to one.
2: And then we <laughs> run down the Premier League table. All next on ESPN1000. <laughs> this is Chicago's game day. It is indeed Chicago's game day. It is game day. It's Sunday. We've got Bears Rams Sunday night football. We're going to wait all day for some Sunday night football. Boys, are you ready for that? Yes. Yes. How are you going to? How are you going to uh, kill some time while you wait all day for Sunday night, Adam?
3: With a seventeen teaser, my friend. Yes, that's how you do it. So we gave... Chris and I gave one out last week. Mellor wanted no I, part I of was it. I was
2: skeptical, to say the
3: least. It hit. So let's do it again. Hey, like, man. That's why we do what so, we do. So Chris and I, when we make bets, this is how it works. We <laughs> do this on podcasts before. We do this on shows. We just say what we're going to bet. And if we agree then we go with it because we don't talk about it beforehand is what i'm trying to say there's no prep no surprise so here's my here are my teams for this seven team teaser that pays nine to one the falcons the patriots the texans the saints the cowboys the steelers and the chargers so what, you what are you teasing it six points Okay. So, you get the Falcons at plus 10. You get the Patriots at minus 3. You get the Texans at plus 2. You get the Saints at minus 4. You get the Cowboys at plus 2.5. You get the Steelers at minus 4. And the Chargers at minus 9. <sighs> at nines. See, Abdal likes to go with favorites and then tease it so you bring
2: yeah, the number so th- down. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. yeah. I always uh, try and throw in the. the- other side of it because yes. i i love if you could the uh, falcons in there plus no i know 10. but uh, you know the, the, the Bengals if i could tease that so i get 25 and a half points that's with ridiculous. the cincinnati Bengals i, I kind of enjoy something like that but i like uh what you're offering to the class there abdallah i think that works
3: for us i think we should put down uh some uh some dollars on that so falcons patriots texans saints cowboys steelers and chargers that's what i'm going with
2: and i actually uh am not uh, as adverse to that one as i was Two weeks ago, which is all the more reason why it will not hit. Yeah, yeah, because you like this one, it won't hit. I feel like I'm on board with that, yeah. Yeah.
4: See, I already slapped together one that's a uh, Dolphins, Texans, Bucks, Chiefs, Packers, Panthers, Bengals. So you're adding in all three of the teams getting a ton of points. Yeah. And I'm just teasing it even more because, listen, I think all these teams are even. So if you're going to give me
2: 20 points. Yeah, I, I can see that. I like that. Yeah. Although it is Jeff Driscoll, I will say. That's fine. It's
3: fine. I don't want a team
2: Just at plus lose twenty
3: five.
2: Twenty five. Uh, coming up next hour, we will talk with Lindsay's theory. She covers the Rams for ESPN, and we will get uh, take a breakdown on the Los Angeles Rams side of the ball. What we should expect from them, and uh, we will also we're. Also, hopefully going to play for you, Rex Ryan, talking with the Bears defense. He did an inter- mm-hmm. interview for NFL Countdown. So we're going to uh, try and run that down and uh, play that for you in the 11 o'clock hour. That sounds good. Um,
4: Abdal. before we uh, go to Break and we talk about the Bears and the Rams some more. Uh, your thoughts on Tua Tunga Vialoa getting beat out for the Heisman Trophy? You know what, last uh, night. Chris? Uh, Kyler Murray won the Heisman Trophy. If you're just tuning in, waking yeah, up today, yes, yeah, Kyler,
3: Kyler Murray uh, and his problematic tweets um, won. He apologized the, for those as a fourteen-year-old. Won, won the Heisman Trophy yesterday. Uh, trophies in December are nice. They, those are cool. Those are nice. He's got a little hand out there, the Heisman mm-hmm. hand. That's yeah. cool. Uh, the real trophies are won in January, my friend. Okay. And, uh, much like myself, right. uh, Coach Nick Saban and, uh, Tua tonga Violoa, uh, we're more focused on yeah. the, the, the trophies right. that are going to be earned in January as opposed to, uh, the, the personal achievement trophies as football is a team sport. And it's one with a team and not, not an individual. So uh, to answer your question, I don't care. So, because uh, when when Tua is on that stage holding up the national gonna, championship trophy... You're going to pro- this, aren't you? He's, he's holding up yeah. the national championship huh. trophy... Uh, as opposed to the individual award that only three people are invited to. I mean, what is that? What about the rest of your team? Who, who, it's right, a team right, sport. Right, it, it was right. Jerry enough, Judy invited? Enough. Was Jalen Waddell enough. invited? Listen, were the Harrises invited question, as the running backs? No. I asked the question to get a real answer. Was it offensive answer. line invited? I didn't to ask the for Heisman? a bit. No. I Dwayne wanted Haskins a real answer. Not a bit. There? This is not a bit. I don't Listen. care, because congratulations, okay. Kyler Murray. That's right. the last college trophy you're ever going to win. Congratulations. we got to go to break. Right, We're going to talk to Lindsay
2: Chris Black, what I'm Jeff mean, Meller. And I'm bo- oh, by the way, football, Liverpool... I just did. Liverpool, 42 points, Manchester City, 41. This it's the
1: longest.
0: This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. <laughs>
1: He was going the right way! Cohen all the way! Touchdown, Chicago! me, he
10: goes right! by. Oh, stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo?
1: He ain't come for the massage, he came for the facial! Oh my
10: goodness!
0: Chicago's game day.
1: sales home. he escapes again, and he's got plenty of room to run. Look at him go! There's the athleticism for the rookie. Back toward the wall! It's gone!
0: This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com.
2: It is indeed Chicago's Game Day right here on ESPN 1000. I'm Jeff Meller alongside Adam Abdallah and Chris Black, keeping you company till noon. When we bring you NFL action as the Colts visit the 9-3 and 3 Houston Texans. You can hear that entire game here on ESPN 1000. Then, coming up around 4 o'clock today, Steve, Mongo, McMichael, and Fred Hubner get you set for the Bears' biggest game of the season as they host the Rams at Soldier Field. They will be at Twin Peaks in Orleans. So make sure you head on out to Twin Peaks in Orland, if you want to say hi to the guys, they will have your Bears-Rams preview for you. We are doing the same thing as we are now, eight hours and just shy of 12 minutes away from kickoff on the lakefront for a game that all three of us will be in attendance for. It should be chilly out, boys. Wear some layers. We're going to talk with Lindsay Theory, who will be in attendance as well. As she covers the Rams for ESPN LA. We'll do that here in a couple of minutes. But before we get to her, before we bring her in, your thoughts, gentlemen, as we are, again, anxiously awaiting the start of tonight's marquee matchup on the NFL slate.
4: Yeah, Jeff, uh, as we take a look at this game, our uh, Rams at Bears, uh, the one thing that I point to, some keys that the Bears need to, to do to get a victory tonight. I would look for the Bears have to get an early lead. And I know that both teams are going to score a lot of points, but I think this Bears team specifically plays better from ahead, and when they get a lead early, it allows the defense to pin their ears back, go after the quarterback. So I think getting a lead early will be super important tonight. I think second, the secondary needs to keep the wide receivers for the L.A. Rams in front of them. Don't let any deep plays over the top with Cooks and Woods and make it difficult for the Rams to go down the field, multiple plays, time of possession, make them work for the scoring uh, that they will eventually have uh, throughout the game. So the secondary needs to keep players in front of them tonight. And then also Mitch needs to be accurate. We need to see him be uh, good and probably the best he needs to play all year for the Bears to beat the Rams tonight.
3: Uh, to me, it's fourth quarter defense. In the fourth quarter and overtime of uh, the season so far, this number one ranked defense, according to DVOA, is last in yards per play, last in yards per game, 29th, I believe, in points per game allowed. Uh, they have not, not been great. Last in time of possession allowed, so they allow the the offense, the, uh, the opposing offense to keep the ball. Last in first downs allowed in the fourth quarter, and overtime of games so far this season. So this number one ranked defense, according to DVOA, in the NFL, has been atrocious. It's been one of the worst, it's been the worst defense in the league in the fourth quarter. And against... Easy competition that they face so far this season, you can get away with that. You can play uh, coverage. You can play, you know, and, and worry about, uh, what do you call it, and not worry about as many yards and do the bend, don't break, and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. But when you have to play teams like the Rams, when you end up in the playoffs and you have to play these playoff teams, like you, you, if you might have to play the Saints or the Cowboys or whoever, These games are won and lost in the fourth quarter. Like You have to be able to hold teams. You have to be able to prevent teams from scoring late. And if you can't do that, you're not going to be a good football team. You can have all the great stats you want as a defense and all the takeaways that you want as a defense. But if you can't stop teams in the fourth quarter, it's going to cost you games. And it cost them them a game last week, and it could cost them tonight. And I don't want to see that. So for me, that's the biggest thing is the fourth quarter defense and how they respond to losing to the Giants last week. Everybody's focused on the matchup,
2: the Bears- Uniquely explosive defense taking on what is probably, alongside the Chiefs, the most dynamic offense in the Rams and all of football, and a man who is well aware of the matchup problems that Khalil Mack, or excuse me, Khalil Mack, can make. Well, oh, don't start with that. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, Sean McVay talked about the impact that Matt can have on a game.
7: When you look at a lot of these defensive linemen, I think one of the things that separates him from a lot of the guys is he's playing almost every snap. You know, a lot of these guys are kind of just in and out, uh, situational pass rushers, and he plays with with you know great. Urgency and juice every single play. You know he's playing the run. Uh, he's got an unbelievable ability to kind of have a hesitation, get off, and then come underneath, and then before you know it, it's a double swipe. He's up the field. You know he's got a, a, an array of different ways that he can beat you, and you feel the length when he long arms people. Um, but he can really bend and, and turn an edge, and then when he gets close to the quarterback, I mean he is violently attacking that football, and that really goes for all of their defensive linemen uh, and their linebackers and secondary players. So he's an excellent player, um, but but I. Think I think it's a it's that combination that you see Gary of when the talent matches up with just the intrinsic motivation to compete hard every snap and when you're playing almost every snap uh, he's got to be accounted for and, and you know you got to know where he is because they do a nice job moving him around as well.
2: A long impressive breakdown by Sean McVay something we've we're starting to become a little more familiar with here in Chicago because Matt Nagy is more than willing to share his thoughts on the opponent and what he's trying to do and somebody who's been familiar with what sean mcveigh does what he brings to the table is Lindsay theory she covers the rams for espn and she joins us now on espn 1000 Lindsay, how you doing today
9: good guys how's it going
2: pretty good so uh what do you think uh is in store for the rams today as they visit soldier field with cold weather playing a factor tonight
9: Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be their toughest test yet as far as a a great defense. Obviously, they they played the Chiefs, but that was really just coming down to a shootout. This is really coming down to whether or not the Rams can effectively move the ball against one of the stoutest defenses um, in the NFL, which would really be a great challenge. Uh, The weather is not something that I was uh, so concerned about for them, but I will have to say that walking around for a few minutes last night i'm a little more concerned uh the rams did go to uh, denver in october uh, i was knowing right up until kickoff so they have some experience playing in pretty cold temperatures but this might be next level tonight Lindsay.
4: when covering this rams team and covering sean mcveigh what is the most impressive thing you've seen from him and in, in being able to develop the culture the fun culture they have uh, with this la
9: rams team Yeah, I think the way that Sean really just came in from day one and made it very clear what his expectations were, Um, you know, that goes for player number one through guy number 53 down to the practice squad. Um, The way he really changed the culture was something to watch because um, this group was kind of used to doing whatever it wanted under Jeff Fisher, and the fact that Sean was so young, was able to come in, get guys to buy into what he was preaching, and the reason why he was able to do that is because he's just, he's so smart at football. I mean, you guys just heard him talk, and he he can talk to the defensive players about the nuances of their positions. He obviously knows the offense in and out. He can go to special teams and be effective there. So a lot of what got the, his guys to buy in was just his knowledge of the game.
3: What does a healthy Aqib Tlaib bring to this, uh, the defense that they've been missing? I know he played a little bit last week, but what does, this, what does he add facing uh, Mitchell Trubisky and the rest of uh, the Bears' offense?
9: Yeah, he has a lot. You know, something that the Rams secondary in particular was kind of missing was just really solid communication. And, you know, part of the reason why Akeem, well, main reason why he wanted to go to the Rams is so he could reunite with Wade Phillips. Um, that 3-4 defense is something he's really familiar with. So having a key back on the field uh, is just going to allow for perhaps Marcus Peters to be in a better position to make some plays. It's just going to allow for them to all be on the same page. I mean, you kind of go to, back to one of the most daggering moments in the Rams season. It was when Drew Brees exposed them and, and completed a 72-yard pass. And if you saw right during the snap, the, the secondary still try to communicate and figure out what's going on. So Keeb not only comes in as a, as a playmaker, but really a guy who's a, who can bring that unit together.
2: Lindsay Theory joining us on ESPN 1000. She covers the Rams for ESPN. Lindsay, it's interesting watching the Rams from afar, especially from the Chicago perspective, because it's been talked about ad nauseum, the mirror image the Bears kind of are to the Rams. If you look at the hiring of Sean McVay, a young head coach who's able to communicate effectively with a young quarterback in bring him along in his offense and then of course you look and Sean McVay kind of sets the defense aside and says Wade Phillips you go do your thing and you take care of that meanwhile the Bears have mimicked that with Matt Nagy and of course letting Vic Fangio run the defense I'm just curious what you've seen in year two from Sean McVay as the head coach with Wade Phillips alongside that maybe is, I don't know if it's um, a step up or just more nuance that you've seen in year two. Anything different about the second season? Because, look, in Chicago, we're curious to see what we might see next year.
9: Yeah, I don't think there's anything too different. I think it's just a growing um, you know, level of comfort with everybody. You know, you see Sean come up and do his weekly news conferences, and then Wade will come up and poke fun at Sean. So I think it's just kind of the growth of their relationship. Those two guys were obviously familiar with each other before they you know, join the same staff. But uh, I, don't, I don't think that as far as scheme or anything like that is different. I don't think their approach is different. I think it's just a matter of them becoming more and more comfortable with each other.
4: What was the biggest thing that Jared Goff worked on and improved from his rookie season to his second year in the NFL?
9: From his rookie season to his Yeah, I you know, because,
4: like, Lindsay, because uh, the thing that we always noticed was, like, Jared Goff, when he first got into the NFL under Jeff Fisher, he looked like a quarterback that should, didn't belong and shouldn't be starting for an NFL team. And it seemed like from year one to year two under Sean McVay, things just developed so quickly to where now people talk about him as an MVP candidate. And what has the development been like for Jared Goff?
9: Yeah, it's been rapid since Sean McVay took over. And, you know, his rookie season, you can't totally discount it, but by and large, I kind of discount it. I mean, that offense was absolutely horrendous under Jeff Fisher. Um, nobody had success. And you look at Todd Gurley, he didn't rush for over 100 yards in a single game that season. So to think of Jared's rookie season as a bust is is kind of acceptable, but it really wasn't a reflection of who he is. Um, so with Sean McVay, obviously McVay does a lot of stuff to, to put his – offense and in position to have success, and that includes Jared Goff. Um, You know, he keeps his eyes down the field this season. He's going through his progressions a lot quicker. He's diagnosing the defenses before he, um, you know, the balls even snap. So it's really just kind of the the natural quarterback maturation, and he's always had the arm strength. um, For as thin as he is, he's always had the toughness to stand there in the pocket. So I think with Sean McVay as his coach, Um, You know, he's playing in a a system that he believes in, and I think that the entire offense is just operating um, at the next level versus we go back to 2016, nothing was working, and uh, that's not uh, exclusive to Jared.
3: How have they prepared, or what has the talk been about probably their biggest test so far for their offense facing the Bears' defense?
9: Yeah, they've been pretty calm about it. I mean, they know that they are going to have to keep track of Khalil Mack every single play. Um, As Sean said in that fight you guys rolled a few minutes earlier, um, what's different about him is that he is on the field almost every single snap. Um, so they are very aware, almost hyper aware, um, that before the snap they need to locate him. Um, but as far as what they're going to do, you know, Jared told me earlier this week that they're just going to go out there and do what they've done all season. You know, they can't start worrying about where they're going to throw the ball or how they're going to execute their plays, knowing that the uh, excuse me that the Bears secondary you know leads the NFL in interceptions. They just have to go out and do what they do and uh, and kind of react accordingly.
2: Lindsay, i've made the argument that the this game is actually bigger for the rams than it is for the bears simply because home field advantage for them is critical not so much because i don't it's not that i don't think the rams can beat anybody in the nfl but more so than anything avoiding having to go back to new orleans and potentially play them at the mercedes-benz dome in the playoffs would be huge because the saints are just they're they're so much better when they're at home versus the versus anywhere else on the road so i'm just curious have you noticed at all from your talk with the players or the coaching staff once the saints actually lost to the cowboys did you notice a little bit of a a, like the 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 players kind of like the all right we've got this back in our hands and we can take care of business sort of feeling around the uh around the go ahead oh yeah i was gonna say definitely i mean
9: their ears kind of perked up and um, you know, they're trying to keep to the company line of one game at a time, but they absolutely know that home field advantage, avoiding going to New Orleans, is something that they want to have happen, something that they might absolutely need to have happen if they want to go to a Super Bowl. Uh, so, I, some teams might kind of fall off after de- clinching the division, but I don't expect that these guys are going to at all because um, the urgency that, that, I mean, that New Orleans game is their one loss. It's their one stain on what otherwise would be a perfect season up until now. So that is one place they want to avoid going back to. And uh, there's definitely kind of a, a sense of urgency um, knowing that they're in control of home field.
2: Great stuff. Thanks. That's Lindsay Theory of ESPN LA. She covers the Rams for ESPN. Lindsay, make sure you uh, dress warm for tonight's game.
9: Oh. I brought all the layers. Thanks,
2: Where <laughs> wear, wear them all. Yeah. Lindsay Theory Bye. again for uh, ESPN Los Angeles joining us and giving us the Rams side of the ball. So it's interesting because Matt Nagy was asked on Friday a little bit about uh, him being too cute at times, and there was an interesting exchange that is, in my in in my opinion, kind of familiar with what we heard from Sean McVeigh earlier in the hour.
0: Is there anyone here who has the authority to tell you you're getting too cute? <laughs>
10: that has it? Yeah, you have. Of course, you, you can.
0: Where? I mean, are you concerned about, about
10: not, kind of, not one iota?
7: I don't I'm not worried about that I'm really not that's uh that's part of the fun that's why we do what we do.
5: you do A play called do you
7: think I'm being too cute no I'm are you trying to say that
5: if
9: you're
0: aware of, of going over that line you
5: know oh what line
0: of, of being too cute what is too
6: cute no I'm serious what's too cute
0: maybe throw I don't know maybe trying a gadget play in the wrong situation yeah I- or- where, you know, that's the
6: key i think which
0: risk yeah you know,
6: the risk is not worth the reward that kind of yeah thing. i'm with you on that i i i'm i'm uh i'm completely with you there's time there's right and wrong times to do it um,
7: and no, no doubt about it but um if we feel like it's the right time we're gonna do it
2: so matt nagy giving a playful exchange with bears beat reporters at hellas on friday and look i do like more than anything else to me, it all comes down to wins and losses. It's easier to be jovial and, you know, give it back and forth to the press if if you're winning games. But you do have to like that he's more open and willing to have a conversation and maybe let the fan base in just a little bit more than previous regimes have been. <sighs> Too cute or is it creative play calling? Mm-hmm. Right?
4: Like... I listened well, to that back and forth, and w- so why is that question asked? Because is that
3: is it based uh, on look, the last play of the game? Yes, because I go do a trick play to to, to but win, it, but it worked or, or so to score to tie the game. Here's the difference: it's creative play calling when it works; it's too cute when it doesn't work.
4: Yeah, right. I mean, uh, okay, you know what's too cute? Kirby Smart on that fourth down instead of punting, trying to run the ball with the up back, and and not getting oh. it. That was being I mean, too cute against Alabama. Uh, Calling a play that's successful and it gives you an option to try and win or to tie the game Mm -hmm. is a good play call. Mm -hmm. He's an offensive mind. I know that we uh, here in the city of Chicago are used to uh, the stone age of, of football offensively, but let's be real. The reason he's the head coach is because he's good at play calling. He's good at finding a way to get guys open. He's good at maximizing the talent we have offensively. We've never seen this before. So I... Listen, I kind of think it's, like, uh, too cute. Like, I don't I do The don't question it. kind it's, of offends it, you a little bit. It doesn't offend me. It's just, like, what are you trying to get at? Like, would, would you rather have John Fox here running the ball in an uh, I-formation? Some, some, some
3: people would. Some people would like them to run the ball. What yes. is this? Some people would like them to run the ball. Yeah, some, I some, think, would like them, some people would like them to use Jordan Howard a little more uh, and keep the ball away but, from the Rams tonight. And, and that's a narrative that I don't quite understand as the season has gone on.
4: The offense has been outstanding. Mm -hmm. Tariq Cohen, is your number one back. He's been great. But for some reason, people keep pounding the pulpit, uh, trying to question why Jordan Howard's not getting more carries. You know why? Because it's not helping the offense. They're not successful when they do it. That's why. They've got a running back who can do a whole bunch of different things. That's really good. Get over it. Just because we don't have a running back that looks like the the prototypical running back and we run the ball – 35 times in a game, it doesn't matter. I don't understand this. Why are people so worried about Jordan Howard's carries and what's going to happen to him next season? Who cares?
2: Seriously. <laughs> no, who cares? I'm with you. I, I completely agree with you. Win when, when football games. Jordan Howard was. He piled up a lot of yards for his it first two years in the it's season. Fantastic. No, no, it mm-hmm. wasn't because how many games did they win well, okay. in those two okay. seasons? But, but I'm saying good for him. He he got yardage. I, like, know. I don't understand this I'm,
4: attachment to Jordan Howard with Bears fans. I'm,
2: what, I'm, what is I, this? No, I'm simply, I'm echoing your thoughts, Chris, that it's it's simply a matter of he, he ran for a lot of yards his first two years. But again, where did that get them? It was a woeful offense that Dal Loggins and John Fox had that had nothing else. They, they had the worst set of wide receivers i can ever remember seeing in over a decade last year i mean there was a reason jordan howard was getting so many carries because he was the only viable starting nfl caliber player on their roster last year sure so yeah yeah, i'm with you completely just that's i i don't even want to have that conversation and you know what i'll I'll quote joe madden that's an unsophisticated unsophisticated conversation it
4: absolutely is and that's why i brought it up because it goes hand in hand i think with questioning being too cute
2: and no that. It, it, yes, do you guys think they're being too cute? No, no. I'm with, not at all. I'm with you. It, it's an odd. It was an odd choice, but I, I, if nothing else, it was refreshing the way Matt Nagy approached it. I'll say that.
3: Was think it? That it
4: would it have been an odd choice? I, I agree with you. It would have been an odd choice if Trubisky was playing. Yeah. Yes. And he was in there, and yes. you took the ball out of your quarterback's hand to have yes. a, a running back throw the ball on, on a, an important play like that. In the situation they were in with Chase Daniel,
3: yeah, I think that it was a very smart play call, and I think that he's being open because he's a little, you know, like right after the loss and right on and on Monday uh, at his press conference, right after the loss, you know, when you when you listen to him, he's not as open; he's a little more testy, like he's questioning, like did you did you rewatch the second half? Did you did you watch Chris? Did you rewatch the second half? Yeah, to I see what it. they were doing against the the yeah. run? Did you did you rewatch it? He wanted to know, so. And then you know that kind of then he kind of gets over it, and then he's more open. And I think that you know when when you have a team that's been as successful as the Bears are with a new head coach, you can ask him those kind of questions. You know, like if, if it wouldn't have worked, he probably is more testy than that. And I think that that's what the that that's what reporters find refreshing is that he's that open right now. Now, if this team has lost four more games, and Were uh, were comparable to what they were last year, and he was struggling in his first year as head coach. I don't think that these press conferences go as long as they do, you know. Like I don't think that he's as open as he normally is. But we get we get a a deeper look inside the team because they're good, and because he runs five hundred plays a game or whatever it is he has on his gigantic play call sheet. So. No, does it? Am I concerned with with the with Jordan Howard? No, am I concerned that it was too cute? No, because it worked, and because you had your backup quarterback in there, and he wasn't that successful to begin with that day. So, and uh, am I upset that they went that they tried to kick the extra point instead of going for two? No, because that's what he thought was was right. And if you had Mister Trubisky in there, maybe you go for two. Eh, that bothered me a little bit, but we've already well, we've yeah, We're not going to yeah. open that up. But. No, so. Yeah, everything's working right now. Everything's great. Everything's puppy dog kisses and kittens or whatever it is now. Everything's great. Uh, What 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 what,
4: did you just say? Have you ever had a puppy dog
3: kiss? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I got a puppy dog. I got a dog. Usually that's how I wake up every morning. Yeah, everything's great. Everything's sunshine and puppy dog kisses right now, man. Now if they lose the next two, Ah, it's a little
4: different. Since we're talking about things that annoy us, uh, are you guys ready for tonight. For Second Down Noise? For some Second Down Noise? Have you experienced Second yes. Down Noise you, yet? Yeah, has your I have. son been a part of
2: Second no. Down Noise? This, I believe this will be my, my son's God. maiden voyage into uh, Second Down Noise. Can I give some credit to the uh, Bear, Bear, Bears organization? Uh, they did
4: away with that dumb fourth phase thing that they were pushing for years. Remember that? They'd have the flags and yeah, yeah, they'd yeah. yell the fa- in the stadium. The fans the, are the fourth they, they, phase. Yeah, fourth phase. The fans are the fourth phase. It was idiotic. No one bought into it whatsoever. Uh, they even handed out little towels that yeah. said fourth phase. No one cared. Uh, but now they are on this second down noise thing, which only started at the last game. And this didn't start at the start of the season. So at some point this year, someone thought that second down noise needed to be on the Jumbotron and yelled out every second down. Can I-
2: defensively through the game. Can I tell you something? Go ahead. Completely counterproductive because you know what happens if people actually buy in? You know what happens. Yeah, you know what happened? Uh, It was quieter on third Third down. down. Because people...
4: Use all their energy on second well, down no, for that second down noise. No, but that's why they tell you. No,
3: but that's why they tell you. You're supposed to know. You're, you're, there's first down noise, there's second you know down what? noise, and then there's third no, down no, noise. This team, and this team annoys save, me. And then you save that little, that no, little no, no, no. extra first, percentage no. in case first there's down, a fourth down. First down noise. down
2: noise and second down noise are basically you're quiet and you're in your seat. Yeah, and not no, you mustered up for third. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. you mustered up for you third. The crowd does not impact the game. This is the occasional. Yeah, you know what? It's it's brutal acoustics for the crowd to get loud and actually affect the game because this is the it just midway. Goes up. It just goes, the you know midway. what? Crowds, cheer. Of which they are monsters. The, one of the smallest stadiums in the league. Yep. I think it's the smallest, it isn't is. it? The smallest stadium in the NFL. So the least amount of people making noise, yell and scream their loudest, and the noise goes up and out
3: into the lake, and it doesn't really affect. But if they miss on second down, you know it's harder. Third down. What do you mean if they miss? If they miss, if it's second, if it's second what? and ten, who's missing? What? If the offense, if Listen, the offense no. doesn't hit on second down miss. because you bring right. that Wouldn't second down noise, shots? who are they? Yeah. The, who are they? The Bulls missing? I'm telling you, look, if if your play doesn't work, fine. Excuse hold, hold my hold up, terminology. Hold, hold can we, we acknowledge your what's happening? Work,
4: you're, so you're supporting them on this second down noise? I
3: am supporting whatever they do on the on in in the midway where they are monsters. Yeah. And can Can you tell your guy who does the PA P-O-Y? to pronounce Khalil Max name correctly? Khalil. Khalil. Uh, s- second mean, of all, Khalil uh, Mack. If you don't, enough of the yelling about second down noise. How about you get Khalil Mack's name right? If how about you don't, that? Su- if you don't support it, maybe you guys are haters. Stop hating on the Bears. I didn't know that's what we were doing yeah. today. Yeah, I didn't know right. between well, nine and noon today right. this was an this is a pro Rams program. No, Sorry, I didn't know this was ESPN seven ten uh, LA. Yeah, get it right. Sorry, if you're gonna do the joke, do it right. I you didn't look. know this was seven ten. Trojan Troj- inside Trojan football coming up next.
2: We are efforting Keyshawn Johnson. We'll see if we can run him around. down. No, but,
4: but seriously guys, second down noise, that's like a thing that they're promoting yeah, in the because you know what like, this city. Really? You
3: know what the sound of, of gloved hands clapping are? This is that's no glove? Here's here's what it sounds like with a glove. You can't hear it. You yes. need second down noise.
2: Yeah. No, all that's all okay. what do you all right. you right. make a point that disproves what you just said? 10 Bring seconds up later. second down noise. Come on. So what? Bring you, it. You, okay. Um, you know who uh, might be I'll getting you know, it. You know who might be getting sick of hearing noise. The Bulls players and Jim Boylan yelling at them. Oh. We'll talk about a franchise worst. 56-point loss over at the UC last night. In case you weren't paying attention, it seems like most of the Bulls players weren't. Uh, We'll talk about that next right here on ESPN 1000.
0: How about that for a breakdown? This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Ready to run and done.
1: 133 to 77 as the Boston Celtics... Came in here, loaded for Bear, jumped out to a 17 0 lead in the first quarter, and the Bulls ultimately fall by 56.
2: Highlight courtesy of WGN Neil Funk discussing just an absolute atrocious game by the Bulls last night as they fall to. The Celtics, by, as you heard, 56 points, a franchise-worst loss and just an absolute debacle. We've been talking about, is this rock bottom? I I say, you don't really know you're at rock bottom until you've actually moved up, because sometimes what you think is rock bottom can actually get worse, and we're only, this, we're only two games in to the Jim Boylan era, and... We don't know where it goes from here because a 56-point loss. And you have to wonder, are players already tuning out a guy who's demanding effort? Well, you know,
4: if you ask the question, can it get worse? The one thing to kind of note is as the schedule goes on here, they do have a span of games where I think out of the next 10 games, you take the Boston game last night, they do have a Thunder game coming up. The rest of the games, there's like eight games against teams that are not playoff worthy. You have Sacramento, Orlando, San Antonio, Brooklyn, Orlando, Cleveland, Minnesota, Washington, until you see Toronto on uh, December the 30th, which is a Sunday. So there is an opportunity here for this team to actually improve a little bit. But Jeff, if you want to question whether or not it's rock bottom, how about this? Go lose six or seven games against some of the teams that are also not in the playoffs right
3: now. And that's going to be rock bottom before we even get to New Year's. Yeah, absolutely. And if you you question whether or not Jim Boylan's already losing the team, Zach Levine came out and said he felt embarrassed. uh, Here, wait, wait. uh, You uh, got it? Yeah, let me play that for the
6: folks out there.
9: What happened up there tonight,
6: Zach? I can't tell you. You sucked. Sitting there watching, you know, score go up and up. I know we're competing out there, but... You know, it sucks, you know. You can help, and you don't. Sometimes you don't feel like you do anything wrong. You know, maybe we got a, we got a, we got we got Blitz to come out. I, obviously, he didn't like that. You know, that happens in the NBA sometimes. You know, we responded in the second quarter. Um, I I don't know. I I do not know. But but we got another game coming up, and we got we got to get it right. But you know, for this game right here, I I really don't know. I don't know what to tell you guys. A of, it's a lot of questions you guys could ask, but I, I, really no, don't. We, I really don't know. Is there a fine line between trying to send a message and embarrassing the team? Yeah, I think so. You know, we put a lot of hard work into this. It don't matter. I, you know, I get up, compete every day. You know, I think you know, regardless of whatever the score is, I want to go out there and compete. But obviously, we didn't get a chance to do that. And then uh, see what happens. You said there's a fine line. Which side did that fall on? Message received or embarrassment? I mean, I felt embarrassed. Scored what we lose by 56. Felt embarrassed. Wish I was out there to compete.
3: Hey, he said it right there. I felt embarrassed. Message received or embarrassed. He felt embarrassed. His coach embarrassed him. And the front office, whether it's true or not, has said that Jim Boylan is going to be the coach moving forward past this year into the future, that could ultimately change, you know, but as of right for right now, he's the coach going into the future. And you worry about losing the young guys, them tuning him out, and then moving into the future. Other free, this team is, they've been preaching for years, financial flexibility. We're going to be in the market for a big time free agent. We're going to be right there. We've got this young core. We've got this code. It's going to be great. We're going to get all the free agents. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be back. The Bulls are going to be back. Players see this. Players know what's going on. They know the dysfunction in the front office. They can see the report coming out from the Sun-Times about how the players didn't trust the general manager of the team to be traveling with the team. And then he, they, the coach went above him. To try to get him to get him removed, and then he wanted to fire the coach, and then they ultimately do end up firing the coach. And then this new coach is making them run wind sprints the day after a game ahead of a back to back, and he's making them practice today, the day after a back to back, after making them run wind sprints. Well- and then all of this, and then they're playing a worse style of offense than they were a week ago. Play
4: the Jim yes. Boylan uh, talking about why last night wasn't as important as today's practice.
5: You went back to the starters in the in the first half. Did you have plans to go back to them in the second half, and the score got out of hand, or did you just want to bench him for the last twenty-one minutes like you did? Yeah, we're going to practice tomorrow. So why 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 have them play in a game that is going to be very difficult to win? when the benefit to me is going to be practice tomorrow and get better. So that was all premeditated to me in my mind. that um, So i play them more. We lose tonight, and then we can't practice tomorrow. We double lose, and we don't have time to do that. So I think it'll be our fourth practice together. And so um, that was the thinking. It's just ridiculous. Double lose? Yeah. No, you lo-
3: you're losing the team. Adam, double lose double lose. I'll say this, though.
2: As ridiculous as a 56-point loss is, and, and I don't know if they... Tr- <laughs> the one thing you want to avoid is that double lose? I, I, I'll say this. I, I don't know if, if <laughs> this is truly the intention of John Paxson, but but mm. if, if you're hitting rock bottom and that ultimately allows you an opportunity to tank properly, something you wish they would have done last year, if this ultimately gets you to a much higher percentage of winning the lottery, then actually they may find their way through this force somehow, some way. Because without winning in the lottery and getting an, a franchise-altering player, I, I don't trust... This, that's, that's their way through this, is winning the lottery and hitting on a marquee player that can actually change the fortunes of this franchise. Because they certainly have proven time and time again that this front office is not capable of doing what the Golden State Warriors have done, what the Houston Rockets have done, what teams who don't necessarily win the lottery, how they find their way, what the San Antonio Spurs have done in the past. The Bru- the Bulls have proven they cannot do it that way. So the only way for them to do it is to win the lottery. And hopefully this is what Jim Boylan being in charge ushers in.
4: Yeah, as it spirals downward. Um, Abdallah made a good point about the... Going into free agency and we were told that the Bulls are going to have all this cap space to go shopping, to go get a free agent, to be a difference maker for this team. Uh, The one thing to kind of point out is you might have that guy on your team already because if we look at free agency next year, basketball reference has the Bulls at 21 in the entire league in money on the books for next season. That means you have behind them, the 76ers now, they'll have to give a big contract to Jimmy Butler. So their cap space will be used. The Lakers have more cap space than the Bulls next summer. The Clippers have more cap space than the Bulls next summer. The Pacers have more cap space than the Bulls next summer. The Knicks have more cap space than the Bulls next summer. The Hawks have more cap space than the Bulls next summer. The Mavericks have more cap space than the Bulls next summer. The Kings have more cap space. And the Nets have more cap space. So you're telling me if you take all of those teams— and you say to a free agent, uh, remove destination based on city you want to live in, but just take a look at our team, what's going on, uh, the drama, everything that goes into an organization. Organization, And you tell me what free agent would rather come here to Chicago than, say, go play in New York with Kristaps Porzingis and a coaching staff that has the backing of the, the organization going in the right direction. Or, say... A young team in Dallas with Luka Doncic and Mark Cuban running the show there and them moving in the right direction. Or, hell, even look at Indiana, the Pacers Mm -hmm. with Oladipo. They're going to have more money, and they're a team that's a playoff team this year. Let's not even talk about the Clippers for the fact that they're one of the best teams in the Western Conference as is, and they've got money that they can spend in free agency. So I think it's comical think that this front front office is going to be able to persuade someone to come here because they're not going to have the money to outbid people plus they were hoping on this young core to impress those people and right now they're not that impressive and then you have this whole situation with jim boylan as the head coach where it seems jeff as if things are going to spiral downward opposed to getting better look
2: i completely agree with what you just laid out however did you ever truly believe what the Bulls were trying to sell you? I, they're not a destination for free agents to want to come here. Truth is that they need Lowry Marketing to be great. Mm-hmm. Can, can he be? It's possible. We don't know yet if Lowry Marketing is anything like more than a a, a a you know a really good NBA starter. We yeah. don't know. He but played really well on uh, Friday night game winner like,
4: and everything, but the last potentials night, he
2: there, didn't but show up. But, the potentials there, but we don't know what Lowry Marketing is in this league. And then I look at the rest of the roster, and you can tell me all you want about what a pro Wendell Carter Jr. is. I'm still left uninspired right now by what I've seen from him. Another solid player who I think can grow into being a good player. But I'm not sold that he's anything more than a rotation player at this point. Are you? I, he could be, but if you like, you can't tell me he's more than a rotation player at this point. Would you? Not right now, and, and, I th- and that's I think okay.
4: The long long view on him would be that you're hoping that he's a defensive center mm-hmm. who stabilizes your back line and uh, chips in offensively when called upon. But basically, he's not going to be in the forefront of your offensive scoring. Because you need others
2: to do. Which so. is which is okay. Yeah. Where they drafted him, that's fine. But those are the two pieces I look at on this roster. That that that's those are the only two pieces because you know what. Sorry, they foolishly spent as much money as they did on Zach Levine. That that's fine. You need a score on a team, but every team needs to score points. Sometimes you only score seventy seven points in a night when you're really bad. Foot bad basketball team. That happens. You know what? Someone's going to be your leading score. That that doesn't mean you need to pay that leading score twenty million dollars a year to be your leading scorer when you can only score seventy seven points as a team and you give up one hundred and thirty three and you get run out of your own building. Fine. He's on the roster. I'm not overly impressed. You know what I mean? So to me, it all comes down to marketing and Carter. What do they become? And then where do you finish in the lottery this year? Because I'm with you, Chris. I don't trust this front office mm-hmm. to entice any free agent, any real difference-making player to this, to this team. Why? Why would you expect that? Tell me the last player they signed that was a difference-making player to a, to a franchise, to an organization.
4: They signed Paul Gasol. The problem was Gasol was not uh, in yeah. the first couple of guys that were sought after by other teams in that that season of free agency. So, so I you can give them credit. They signed a guy who's probably going to sure. be a Hall of Famer at some point. Uh, they convinced him to come to Chicago and help out. I I commend them on that. But you're right. You know, if you look at it, and that that's why the the whole. Hope for the future. We're saving our money. We're we're shorting the market. Type of nonsense that they sold to the Bulls fan base and Sea Red Nation in the three hundred level for years. As this started to deteriorate, was such nonsense because they don't actually have. They didn't do anything to outsmart the rest of the league. There are plenty of teams that are going to have more money than they did. So and, and that's where you look at something like you look at the stat line from a Jabari Parker, and it's like. Man, I hope they don't buy into the fact that these empty points (laughs) from Chicago just is necessary to pick up and bring him back. It was unnecessary to sign him in the first place. And if people want to say, oh, it's a one-year deal. Listen, when you put a guy like Zach Levine on the floor and you put someone else like Jabari Parker on the floor, you have two guys who are complete zeros on defense, which hurts everyone else. Thus, the entire operation is faulty. That's why you try and minimize a guy like Levine. You play him with guys who can play defense, and then it's okay. But when you have multiple guys who can't play defense, that's why you see what you saw last night. But it's a from,
2: joke.
3: But he's from Chicago. Yeah.
2: Local, Dude, c- local kid does good. Go see him play basketball. It is incredible to oh, A lot to of me. people still
3: go see him play basketball. They're Listen. still second in attendance. Listen, it is
2: incredible to me
4: that that signing was made.
3: Uh, That's It is what it is. I
4: I, I don't understand. Financially, I understand they had the money. It's not going to hurt them in the long term. It made no sense the day they did basketball-wise. It makes no sense right now, and I don't get
2: it. I was dumbfounded the day they did it, and if you didn't already know he was a terrible defender who was coming off of two knee injuries that had sapped his ability to move laterally, well, that's on you. All you need to know is that people rave
4: about the work ethic of Giannis Antetokounmpo. They rave about it. They rave about how much he cares and how much he gives a damn. He did not get along with Jabari.
2: That should tell you all you need to know. That's Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. I'm Jeff Meller. We come back and wrap it up, talk some Bears and Rams before our NFL game, the Texans and Colts, get started on ESPN 1000.
0: This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com.
2: This is Chicago's game day. Wrapping it up for you here on ESPN 1000. Want to say thank you to Malika Andrews, Matt Bowen, Chris Raybon, and Lindsay Theory for joining us today. Talked a lot about the Bears and Rams game. Getting going in about seven hours and 27 minutes from now, gentlemen. And of course, uh, did a lot of Bulls chatter. Want to say thanks to my man, Felix Reyes behind the glass for helping us out today. Doing a great job as always. And, uh, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, any closing thoughts? Well, yeah, and if you
4: uh, missed any of the conversation from earlier today, check it out on the ESPN uh, app. You can go to the podcast section and find the podcast of the show, and then you can also listen on ESPNChicago.com. Final thoughts, Jeff, is uh, I think tonight's matchup, Bears and Rams, I think I am looking to see whether or not Trubisky takes that next step. I know two weeks out he's going to be a little rusty, but if he can come through, and lead the Bears to victory, it's going to go a long way into trying to prove that he really is a franchise-level quarterback that was worth that second pick and worth
3: all the hype coming into this uh, all along. I'm trying to see how Cody Whitehair handles the snap and uh, deals with Ndamukong Suh and Aaron Donald as they like to line uh, Aaron Donald around the weakest spot of that offensive line. It's right there in the middle. So oh, should wow, be should right. be interesting to see how, how that matchup plays out. And also, we did a good job guys we did a good job of breaking down bears and rams but if you want you want real bears and rams breakdown real like none real? of this fake stuff none, none of this fake none of, of this, this fake, fake business get loud on second this, yeah, down none, nonsense. Of second none of this second down window dressing no we're doing no. here uh head out to the twin peaks in orland park mongo Wait, and
2: fred someone told me you sure it's orland park not wheeling yeah, it's okay. Orland Park. Some, yeah. I heard someone say Wheeling. So it's Orland, Orland Park.
3: In. Mongo and Fred are going to be at the Twing Peaks in Orland Park. Orland starting, Park! Starting at 4 o'clock. They'll be out from 4 to 7, getting you set Harrison, for Bears and Rams. Mongo's man-ups, keys to the game, all that good stuff that goes along with football.
2: We are your station for NFL football. Again, Texans hosting the Colts up next. And, of course, as Abdallah just said, Mongo and Fred with your full... Full tilt, Bears pregame show. Just remember, guys, as you go through your Sunday,
6: maybe
4: you're going to have a boozy brunch. Maybe you're going to take a nap. Maybe you're going to watch a whole bunch of football before the Bears game tonight. Just avoid that double lose. Whatever you do today, guys, let's avoid the double
2: lose. And make sure you bring that second down noise. And and get ready to practice tomorrow after the game. What is second down noise? Just on your couch, second down noise. Second down noise with those gloves. Third down noise without the gloves. For Chris Black, for Adam Abdallah, I'm Jeff Meller. If the Bears win today, Super Bowl Talk will begin tomorrow on ESPN 1000.